Hello and welcome to another episode of the 3 on 3 podcast. We're going into 2024 and we're getting close to the semi-finals of the Challenge Cup. Teams are losing, teams are winning and apparently the Steelers are still on top of the league as we reminded once or twice over the weekend. We're going to be doing more mid-term reviews and we'll go through Sheffield, Dundee and Cardiff this weekend. So that could be quite an interesting one. But as ever we have, um, we're just going to keep calling him the Diva. You may ask for a new nickname but you can go to hell. Him. And we've got a relatively chippy Scott, so it should be a good one tonight. Scott, John, how are you, gents? I'm pretty good. If I was a diva, I'd demand a new name, a new name wouldn't I, really? But I'll, I'll go with that. You call me whatever you like, guys. I don't care. We do. I'll just keep being me. Uh, I'm all right. Hockey was all right. We won again in overtime, so I should be happy, but hmm. Wasn't an enthralling uh, performance, so, but I'm sure we'll mention it at some point later on. How are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. Uh, decent weekend, and always good to be amongst you two and uh, being given instructions from John, as he likes to do it in his diva manner. But uh, it's all good fun, and we're loving for it. So we mentioned we're doing the midterm reviews. Let's uh, start the top of the league, and we have Brett Gregory joining us. Brett, how are you, matey? How are things? I'm good, thank you. Uh, glad to be back, and I can't complain, as you could imagine. Knowing you as long as I have, mate, you can complain about something, <laughs> but not about the Steelers so far. So we'll talk quickly about tonight's game: uh, five, a six-one victory against Dundee Stars, which I'm sure we'll mention when we do Dundee. Um, it was a bit easier towards the end, weren't it? Yeah, it's another case of. Uh, Winning the game in 40 minutes and cruising in third. Uh, it, I, I think it's getting a bit boring, if you ask me. I can't wait for a cup game for a bit of jeopardy. Uh, well, it's it's just, we just keep churning it out and churning it out. And I just can't see what's going to stop us at the minute. I, I, I just can't see it. Oh, dear me. So we'll go on to the review. Well, <laughs> now we're at the halfway stage. Um it's fair to say we'll, we'll, we'll sum up. It's been a quiet season so far for Sheffield. Oh yeah, I mean, it's it's been what how can I put it? It's been very interesting, but for all the right reasons. Apart from obviously what's happened and the way we've dealt with that, it can only be admired. Uh, and we just keep getting stronger and stronger. We've we'll, we started getting injuries, and it, it doesn't seem to put us off a stride. We're coping, and yeah, it's just it, it's been brilliant so far. And I, I'm 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 a bit with you. In I'm not going to say it's done just yet because so, I know if I say that we'll lose twice to five next week, and I don't I don't want to put it out there. But honestly. You can't have so much more. When when every game away from home, uh, lost three all season, you can't fault it, can you? It has been an impressive record by any stretch, and that's you know regardless of team. Um, looking back at the beginning of the season, and it was the pressure year for the Steelers, and in particular, Aaron Fox needed to deliver something. 
Now, like I said, we're only halfway, but it looks like the perception so far is that he may have got things just about right in every in every area of the team. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I think you'll know parts of last season. I was one of the people that were questioning Aaron Fox, uh, but it does show you what sticking with a plan, a system, and coaches does get you uh, year on year. Is kept a core, added bits and pieces here and there, and this year we're we're seeing the results of that. It's I just. I can't think, I look at any other team and and I can't see any weaknesses in us. I can't see any players that I'd take from other teams to fit and replace from our team. I just, which is very unusual. Usually you look around league and you think, oh, I'd have him in. And I honestly, and on our, can't think of any way we could improve. Obviously, there's better players than other players, but it's the system it's the way Fox has got them playing. It's all just come together and it just shows you that sticking with a plan and not changing coach every year, 18 months, most of the time we'll get your places. And I think a lot of other clubs could uh, learn from that. It's been a system that it's showing so far um, that it's, it's starting to look good, but time will tell at the end of the season. But looking at the returnees, um, from last season to this. And for me, the crucial one out of the mall was Greenfield. The guy that was signed in to be the backup, but turned out to be one of the studs of the season. Um, do you say that was also a priority, given how the season went and what to build on, on, on the season's team going forward? Oh, yeah. End of last season, he was, the, he was the one that you just needed to get that signature. You had to do whatever you could to get Matt Greenfield back in Orange this year, uh, and obviously, part of you might, part of people might think, well, is he going to replicate what he did? And if anything, he's even better. Yeah, he's got a better defense in front of him. He's not seen as much rubber, but for some goaltenders, that could work against them. Because they switch off, and it it, it just. It's unbelievable. Even yesterday in Manchester, first eight to ten minutes, we looked all over at shop. We were one down. By the time we made it 1-1, if it weren't for Greenfield, we, we probably would have been three or four nil down by then. And maybe the game's over. Uh, so, Greenfield is is phenomenal. And to stick with the netminders, um, we obviously brought it Anthony Marone. I hope that's the correct pronunciation, John. Um, after my four pal last time. Um, he's obviously played the cup games. He's had a couple of league games. But how good has it been from two angles? Firstly, to give Greenfield a rest, but also someone that shows he's good enough and can push him to have that really competitive one-two that Sheffield seemed to have this year. It, it's brilliant. Like you say, Greenfield still playing most of the league games. I, I I was actually shocked that Greenfield played in Manchester yesterday because Marone's played, I think he's played every game in Manchester so far this season in Cup and a New Year's Day and he's won every game. So I thought maybe Marone yesterday, Greenfield today. But 
whenever he's been called on, is is being is being incredible. Now to have a player that understands his role, understands that he's only going to play one in eight, one in nine, maybe maybe get a running cups, but when he does come in. He looks like he belongs, and he's keeping us in games. He's winning us games. He's making some. I mean, when we beat Glasgow last week, three two, they equalised twelve seconds to go, one face off straight up, and he made a world class save with about four seconds to go, to 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 stop it going to overtime. And a lot of goalies when he's playing that well they'd be questioning, oh, why aren't I getting more of a looking? Now, I'm not saying he's not doing that, but he knows his role and he knows that Greenfield's the man. But I honestly think he deserves maybe a couple more games and where we can rest Greenfield a bit more. Like I said, I played him yesterday probably. He might get a game at weekend against five, maybe not. But... One thing I will say about Anthony Marone, he deserves the cup. He's played every cup game this season. We've got to the semi-finals. I think we've got to stick with him in the cup. We'll mention the semi-finals in due course, but hand on heart, we mentioned we're halfway through the season. Most goals scored by a team in the league. The least goals conceded. Truth be told, did you, as you code to that first game of the season, did you expect to be at this stage at the halfway, st- halfway part of the season? No, no, I didn't. Uh, I'll be honest, I was really excited about the team. Uh, I knew that, and I think everybody knew that Belfast lost a lot of players last from last season and a lot of key players, Ure, uh, Ruop, Goodwin, Conway. And you knew that they weren't quite going to be at that level anymore. I wasn't expecting them to have a bit of run like they have had. And I still think they'll probably be our closest challengers at the end. Uh, I I didn't expect Cardiff. I thought Cardiff brought maybe too many uh, returnees back from last season. I was expecting us to be challenging up there, but to be in the position we are, I mean, the past couple of seasons, we have been top of the league at this point, five, six points clear. And then we've let it go. Whereas this year, to be 14 points clear at second place in middle of January and a game in hand, even if a little slump comes at the minute, it'd have to be an almighty slump. But I'll, like I said, I'll stick with you. It's not over until Monty's in the arena. I'm sure John and Scott will enjoy not having another one to just confirm it, as they enjoyed um, asking last week. So we'll go on to the, the imports uh, that's come in, the new ones. Which one out of them all has, has really stepped out and really impressed you so far? Uh, I'll start with the most surprising. It could be the uh, best as well, but the most surprising for me is Mark Simpson. Mark Simpson has been incredible. It, you know, one of them that come in with very little fanfare. He's going to come in. He's going to do a job. Fourth line, maybe third line at best. Penalty killer. The guy has been incredible. He's 
puck control, his skating, any any speed for such a big man. It, it's incredible. He, he, he has, to me, he's been one of the finds of the season. Obviously, not going to go too much into him, but Patrick Watling, everybody knows what it's about. Uh, another one that's pleasantly surprised me, and I'd probably say he's my favourite player at the moment, is Miko Yusla. The, the guy, his energy, his vision is second to none. Uh, and for, But for me, I think one of the best finds is someone that didn't even start the season with us. Uh, and the circumstances that come in, it could have been really hard for him. But he's been absolutely fantastic. What I find is being Dominic Cormier. Honestly, it 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 reminds me of for people that can remember of a Shane McCosh type player. He has got everything, and it's people all talk about Sorsman and Tanze all day, brilliant players. But for me, if you're signing a two D back straight away. It's definitely in Cormier. I wanted to ask about Cormier because for me, I from a Sheffield perspective and, and Sheffield perspective only, as mid-season pickups go, I'm struggling to think of a guy that's come in and actually changed the dynamic of the team for the better. And I go back to maybe Bollybrook's first stint in Sheffield. Um, would you say in terms of that mid-season pickup, and obviously teams have them and get some really you know diamonds in the rough, would you say... Konya is up there with the best for the last 20 seasons. Let's go Elite League in that respect. The best pickup mid season that Sheffield's had. Off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody that I would say is a better pickup than him. I really can't. I mean, there might be someone if I've got more time to think and have a look, but from top of my head, like you said, Usually when they're coming off way through season or a couple of months into the season, they take a few games or a couple of weeks, maybe even a month or so to get going, fit in, get used to it. He just come in seamlessly and it was like he'd been there from the start. Uh, and like I said, the, the circumstances come in, we didn't even announce his signing. He just turned up on a team sheet. Uh, and I think... He was on the team sheet and then about 40 minutes before uh, face-off, there was just a, a small tweet about uh, him joining the club and he just come in and it could have been... It, well, it will have been hard for him to fit in. Uh, we have all the questions and things surrounding why he was coming in, but he's been unbelievable. I've just seen Scott... Mention one, Guillaume Debian. Yeah, yeah. He, he, probably, was, probably, he is my favorite stealer of Elite League era. The yeah. man was a beast, but I would put Comey here with him. I agree. Probably one of the last that power forward that you see in the of his generation type thing. Elite League. We don't, you don't get many of them nowadays. No. Two people I want to mention. Uh, one of them. Definitely, this podcast's big fan, uh, and I think one that's probably going to join him if it were truth be told. Cole Shoulder and Brandon Whistle. Now, I know Brandon's been injured recently, but in terms of your depth signings, 
how how good have them two been? And bear in mind, Cole coming under. It's not he weren't signed straight away under circumstances he wouldn't have wanted to. How good has he been coming back to Sheffield and Brandon just carried on as he as he were? Yeah, I mean, like we were talking about Mark Simpson uh, and Miko Yusla being surprise packages for the imports. I mean, Cole Shudra, I'll hold my hands up again. The past few, it's eight years, I think, he's played for, since he made his debut for Steelers. He had that loan out to Milton Keynes. He's dropped down. He's come back. Last year, we never even called upon him once, I don't think. Uh, and if we did, he hardly got on ice. Uh, and so to come in again under the circumstances, horrible circumstances, but he's been another one that's been such a surprise and he has, he knows that this was his final chance to make it as a stealer. And I didn't think it would, I, I questioned the two-year deal, put that way, I questioned it. And now I'm so glad he's had a two-year deal. He, could, he, he plays that swing guy we lost ever since Evan Moser. Uh, but when he was playing defense, we lost what he. The, we lost the goals, the the uh, effort, in even his aggression on the forecheck on that fourth line, and I, I think that he's grabbed this opportunity with both hands, and he's not going to look back, and it and it, it can only get better and better, and I think playing with Mark Simpson has really helped him as well. Somebody who's been there, done that, and it's worked wonders for him. And as for Brandon Whistle, I mean, what can you say about him? We've missed him. Uh, You're always going to miss a Brit of that calibre. You miss any Brit in this league because you can't really replace them like for like. You lose an import, you can just bring another one in. You lose a Brit, especially one of who's been putting points up as much as Brandon Whistle, and you're going to miss him. But an- another reason you miss Brandon Whistle is a damn good penalty killer. A very good penalty killer. One more question about personnel before we go on to the business end of the season. Um, I want to kind of ask about Rob Dowd. Stepping into some pretty massive shoes as captain of the club since Jonathan Phillips retired. And given everything that's happened in the season so far, how do you think he's handled being the captain of the club? Seamless. It, 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 it's he's brought he's it, brought a, a new fresh air about it, and he's leading by example. Uh, he he'll not ask anybody to do something that he's not willing to do, and. How he has led this team and been there at the forefront of everything, mostly good this season, but it were there at the leading from the front in challenging circumstances as well. He was there for his fellow players. He showed up, and even that fateful day in October, he was there and he looked after everybody. He made sure everybody 
pulled together on the day after. And you can tell that he's a massive part of the reason why this team are so close together and knitted together because he, he is the glue. I can't disagree any more. You know, can't agree any of that. He has been, uh, and I can, yeah, agree the, the seamless transition. Um, so we're now in the business end of the season, and we've got the semi-final coming up against Coventry. Um, from a Sheffield perspective, what where are the keys from our from our perspective that for us to be able to beat the Coventry players and make it to the final? What do we need to do? What are the th- the key things that we need to do? to be able to make sure that we're in that final? Might sound like a cliche, but I think more of the same at the moment. I mean, you can't really fault what we're doing. I would say, I think you touched on this last week, that if anybody is going to be a potential banana skin, if we're not on it, it's going to be the Coventry Blaze. Uh, I think keeping them quiet in the first leg, uh, Maybe take, maybe hopefully a lead back to Sheffield, but keeping it a close game wouldn't. I wouldn't sniff at it if you know what I mean. I think, uh, yeah, I think defense in that first leg will be massive. Uh, keep them quiet and maybe as the game goes on, they might try and think right. We need a lead. So then we can push and maybe nick a goal or two to take back to Sheffield with us. But I really don't think it's going to be easy. I, I really don't. I think Coventry are a team. I'd probably say them and Guildford are the, probably the teams that, are, if if we're not on our guard, they could, they, they could beat us. One final question before I bring John and Scott into this. Um, and when I'm asking this, I'm asking across the board. Does it make sense when I say this? Do Sheffield win silverware? And if so, how much? Colours to the mass time. Mm. Yes, we win silverware. I'm going to say we win the Challenge Cup and the league. And I think Belfast will win the playoffs. And so I think Belfast know the league's over. I think they're going to gear everything up to them, them, that playoff campaign. Uh, could be massively wrong. I hope I'm wrong because I was saying today at the game, we, we're probably never going to have a better chance of getting a Grand Slam. We had a league is this season and how good we've been. But I, I've i just got a feeling that we'll fall short in playoffs. Maybe we'll win, it, win the league early enough and we take the foot off the gas. Anthony Marone plays a lot of games in the running and then Greenfield comes back in towards the playoffs a little bit cold or we've took us foot off at gas and we struggle to get going. Like I say, I hope I'm wrong. And I can quite I could see us winning all three, but if I had to put uh nail my colours to the mast, I'd say Challenge Cup and League double. Why is is Brett lying? He's been saying since about November in the group that the league's already done. And he started off the uh the questions, oh, um, it's not done yet, wait till Monty's in the building. And then seconds ago, he then said, oh, the league's done. So he's kind of like trying to hedge his bets a little bit there, isn't he? Brett, the league's done, yeah? You said it yourself a moment no, ago. No, it, it's not done. 
So you, you weren't telling the truth. When, when, when did I say that? Just when you were talking about Belfast winning the playoffs, you said Belfast know the league's done, so make your mind up. Yeah, yeah, Belfast know that the league, they're not going to win the league. Okay, so who's going to win the league then? (laughs) You poked the wrong bear, Brett. (laughs) Listen, we spent Uh, weeks trying to get a Sheffield fan to commit to sort of saying the league's done, and you kind of almost did it, and then now... It's it's like David says, we've been bit so many times. And I know... I, uh, anyone listen, any Sheffield fan listening uh, that wants to come on and say you've won the league, we will have you on uh, because uh, me and John are aboard of this now. You cannot not win the league. If you don't win the league, something has gone very amiss. You've got to lose half of your games remaining. At least. Me do- me, me, not happening. Me, do- me, me daughter will tell you they're going to win the league. And she's right here. <laughs> Taylor, come on. Here we go then. Let's get some uh, well, uh, some sense on the pod. So, bullying going off on John and Scott. Hello, Hello. Steeler's going to win the league. Yeah. Well, there we go. Thank you for your honesty. See. Well, that's me told. <laughs> well, you know, it's, you've said this, you know, privately. Just put your name out there publicly. You've won the league. Second thing, only quickie, but not a question as such. Anyway, an observation you and I had to watching the game earlier, and we both thought the same thing. Cormier obviously took a puck in the face earlier. And one of my pet hates has been for a number of years, players in this league, certain players do it all the time when they chew their mouth guard. It's there for a reason. If you want to protect your teeth, keep in your trap. And the puck kind of came across, may have lost a few teeth as a result of it. What's your thoughts on, on that, uh, Brett, then? Because we had a little chat about it earlier. Exactly as you said. It was the first thought that came to my mind when I realised it was Cormier. I thought, and I said it, to me kids, maybe that'll teach him to keep his mouth shielded. It, like you say, if you're not going to wear it, it, it's not a requirement to wear a gum shield. Just don't have it. If you want to choose some, get some gum in. Exactly. But m- m- maybe you'll learn, or maybe wearing a fishbowl next week. <laughs> uh, like he's 10 again. Ma- ma- yep. But, you know, if he keeps putting performances up like he is, he, 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 he could chew what he wants. Absolutely, but it's become a bit of a trend. There was a guy in the NHL, Matt Molson, with a new player used to do it maybe 10, 12 years ago, wherever it was, and he used to bug the shit out of me. But no one else did it. And then, like, like so could Chuck do it in the NHL? And obviously, hockey, like anything, they see what people do in the NHL, and we copy it over here. And a few players around the league do it, and hopefully that's going to be sort of a bit of a little warning sign that your teeth are there to be protected. And then... If you don't have your mouth guard in your mouth, you might lose a few teeth. So that was, I wouldn't say, a nice thing to happen tonight. But it was a lesson learned, hopefully. And let's see where he does next week. That's it. That's all I have to say. Okay, so thank you for your time, Brett. Um, always good to, to chat steals with someone else, um, apart from the, the Sheffield fan who's on every week. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll have you near the end, maybe the playoff weekend, to see uh, just how your prediction's gone. But thank you very much for your time yeah. this evening, mate. No problem. Thanks for having us, guys. Uh, but Scott, John, um, I know you're after kind of definitive statements on Sheffield. Um, what were your thoughts on that review? Does it come to close to how you think Sheffield's gone, or is it the pessimist that I come across? Is it kind of where where do you two uh, feel that went? I think Brett came across very well. He talks a lot of sense, and I can always still understand the. Uh 
reservations you both have and and he kind of pretty much said the same thing that you know in the past you've been five points clear this time of the year and it's gone wrong there's a huge difference between five points and 14 with the game in hand even if that game in hand isn't won that's a huge gap and you know, Scotty I'm sure will agree you know we're literally halfway through the league now in terms of games that Sheffield have played other teams have got even less than half the the, uh, the games to go They've got to win out to even come close, and Sheffield would have, to, would have to get beat by Cardiff regularly, Belfast especially regularly, and drop points in bands they wouldn't expect to do. You don't get to January and win every single away game performance, and all of a sudden then shit the bed. You know, even with what you've done in the past, it's not likely. And and you know, you put a few players out there; they're very good and having great seasons. Not even mentioning the likes of like Newman, quality player, Diffie's a great player, Tansy. The depth in that team is just is scary. And you've got three or four players still to come back into that team. Two breads, which obviously you couldn't really replace in the meanwhile. Newman's to come back in fairly soon as well. You've got almost another line to play with in the next couple of weeks. And that fresh impetus of those players coming in and a bit more depth just make the, the, the you know, the, I'm sure the job will be even easier. And it'll be one just. When not, if I think, but yeah, I understand you don't want to commit to it too much, but I think Brett kind of almost did, and then he kind of like just tried to sort of uh, you know backtrack a little bit, bless him. Not much to add on what John's has said, 100% right. The culture has changed in Sheffield, uh, you can tell when we've spoke to Sourceman and Tanzi, and they are they're there to win, and you can tell, and I feel that's uh shown on other players who were a bit more flary last year and a bit more you'd seen them all about out dancing and singing and when 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 they were losing games so look yeah um me and john we know sheffield have done it so yeah board of sheffield now can we move on are you bored of sheffield i mean (laughs) on for another half an hour mate i'm more than happy to do that uh however um we can't because we have our next team to give the mid-term review and we go from the home team in Sheffield to the away team and we go to Dundee and we have Connor Kerr on the pod. Connor, thank you very much for your time. How are you, my friend? I'm all good, boys. How's yourselves? Not too bad, thank you. Before I let John uh, with his questions, I'll just quickly go over the, the game this afternoon. Yeah, from a from a Dundee perspective, how did you think it went apart from... I'll go straight off, Kerry Carr, two goals that you kind of had to laugh at. Yeah, uh, to be fair, after last night, wasn't really expecting much. Obviously, going into today's game against the team like Sheffield, you boys are, are romping the league, to be honest. So, I think that the league is done. <laughs> well, at least someone's come into the league being done. So, we uh, took a Dundee fan to say it rather than a Sheffield fan to say it. Thanks for the middle finger, David. Connor, my friend. Uh, I think I upset yourself and maybe a couple of other Dundee fans looking at some of the tweets to the podcast uh, accounts on Twitter um, during the week. I maybe made a suggestion that uh, I fancy Dundee to come ninth. I'll explain my logic in a second, but come at me first of all. What do you think of my um, suggestion, which you're not going to make the playoffs? I-, I may have peaked a bit too soon, but what's your thoughts on my prediction? Uh, I disagree with you, John, and you know that because the message I sent you yesterday yeah, yeah. So you think I'm I'm wrong, yeah? Yeah, I feel like we've had a bit of an up and down season. Obviously, winning four, maybe losing a couple. But this team never said I attitude for our team, to be honest. Uh, 
got boys like Valentini and Nasser producing week in, week out. Uh, they'd be they'd walk into any team in this league, to be honest. So we're very, very lucky to have them. Yeah, that's a fair point. I'm going to come to that a bit later. Anyway, back to my logic. Now, the way I see this, four are locked in. You're obviously going to get Cardiff, Belfast, Sheffield, Guildford. Job done. Not, no, can, no discussion. Coventry are going to make it. I think Glasgow have got enough to make it. So in my thinking was five are going to be done and you've got three teams chasing two spaces. So I'm thinking yourself, Manchester and Nottingham. Now, Nottingham, they seem to be trying their best to sort of fall away from the league completely. My thinking was that maybe you've got a little bit less than Manchester. I haven't seen many games of, not, of uh, Dundee this year. I watched the game obviously this evening. I think you've kind of convinced me as well in that you've got that top line. You've got Nas and Valentini, people like them. You've got guys that can win games that maybe Manchester don't have. Is that the key difference, do you think, why you'll make the top eight? You've got a top line like Nas and Valentini scoring every week and maybe they're going to sort of drag you through in games later on in the year? Uh, yeah, I think you may be correct, John. We've also got players like Harms, who's the glue to that unit, to be honest. Uh, that boy, his, his back check, his defensive play, he's, he makes the two be able to play their game. And, and also boys go on about Allen and stuff, but having the players like Allen and Mackay makes the players go and be able to play their game. But I do think throughout the lineup, obviously, we've got that spare import now with the new defenseman we brought in. Uh, and obviously Engels is back this weekend. Uh, yeah, so we do have the, but we do have the players like feeling, and he gets it quite a lot in our group chats and on Facebook, but the boy Parentino works very, very hard. And people don't realise that because he doesn't put up a lot of points or anything like that. Like, he's a grinder. Like he'll grind. Like he just goes into the dirty areas, dirty corners and wins the pot. But yeah, it's just our kind of group chat of Dundee annoys me kind of because people just get slated very, very quickly. Um, it's hockey, we've all got running. opinions, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hockey fans, not exactly the most uh, switched on when it comes to opinions. Uh, I include us three in that as well. What's confused me this season with Dundee? The Challenge Cup campaign was pathetic. Um, let's be fair, the way the season started, you couldn't buy a game to save your lives. You're out of it pretty much, you know, within the first few games. Why do you think the season has changed so much from that team that couldn't buy a win in the, in the Challenge Cup campaign to now your team that, like we said, you're now getting results in the league and you look like you can take on any team whereas you couldn't do any at all start of the season. What, what's changed? I'm honestly not too sure, John, to be fair. Uh, I just I think, obviously, the change of lines, uh, change of personnel, obviously, the Walker release, bringing another player in, uh, just kind of made people think about their jobs. Their jobs are on the line. Uh like, to be honest, people were calling out Valentini and at the start of the season saying, this boy should be on the first point home. And now, look at him. <laughs> He's producing on that line with Nas, and Nas is just unbelievable. Like they've, And then, obviously, we've got Carr, who has now... He, he's given him a chance to win every night. And I just think it's changed. Like, we've got this team... Uh, they never say die attitude, even if we're 2-3 down. I'd never think that went out of a game. I always think that we could come back into it. And yeah, just from that, to be honest. Yeah, and I think, uh, to be fair, you can maybe thank the pod for getting Nas firing. We had him on a few months back, and uh, ever since he's come on the pod and he's exposed himself, he's, well, it's not a bit rude and exposed himself. He didn't actually expose himself to us, but to the league, he's gone on an amazing run. 
The one thing I think that maybe has changed a little bit with your team this season, um, when I looked at the team you signed over the summer, you mentioned, of course, Walker, really, Allen and Mackay, and I just had the feeling that maybe Dundee signed a team that could maybe mix up a little bit and try and maybe sort of uh, be a tough team to play against and maybe have a few scraps along the way, and if you win some games, happy days. Walker's already gone. Allen's obviously had a few suspensions already anyway. Do you think you've maybe changed the way you play a little bit since that team was first signed in the summer? Because I had that team done as a bit of a a bit of a bullying team, but from what I've seen of Dundee, you're not that that team at all. No, I definitely think we've changed the way we've played, and I don't think Mark lets these boys go and do that. Like obviously, but Alan, I don't think he's he's obviously telling them you cannot fight unless, or obviously, try to get a spark unless we are getting beat. Like, unless we are four and getting beat three four, then you need to try and do that. But uh, yeah, Alan's. To be fair, I thought he'd be a bit like, maybe a bit like a Haas kind of player, but he hasn't been like that at all. Uh, the boy Mackay, obviously, he's a few silly, silly incidents he's been involved with. But yeah, no, I totally think obviously Mark's done something. He's obviously sat down with these players and said, like, this needs to change or, or, or this season's going to be a write-off. And that obviously from the start until now has been totally different. Yeah, absolutely. And the bit I said about it, he's a good player. And if he can focus on you know, playing the game rather than trying to beat people up, it's obviously going to help you. You mentioned about recent games where you're going two and three down. Um, to be fair, you came back and you beat Belfast, obviously, which we all loved and reveled in. You came back even last night against Glenn for, from two goals down. What do you think is, is making that happen all the time where you can't just kind of get switched on in games early where you're going a couple of goals down before the guy seems to sort of dial in and and then put a performance in? Uh, I feel like if we were... Like with the clan game last night, obviously, it was there myself. I thought we were absolutely terrible for 25, 30 minutes of that game. And obviously, Mark called the time out early in the first period, but nothing changed for me. If that was a, if that was a team like Sheffield or try to think, even Cardiff or who could put pucks in there, I think we would have been about five, six down in the first period. And even clan fans will tell you, and star fans would say the same. But no, we found the way. Obviously, Mark must have went in on him and changed him at the end of the period. And yeah, it just seems to be the way. We just never give up. And then the top line again. Obviously, we just don't have a top line, as Jason Morgan would say. But uh, yeah, no, it's just these boys are just pushing and pushing and stuff happens. And yeah, it was good to beat Clan last night. Good to get one over on Combs, who couldn't take it from giving it to the fans last week. So Yeah, as you say, a big win against uh potentially top eight rival. Um, one of the reasons I think that they're having a great season is, is, is gliding down. Another guy's been on the pod before. Have an outstanding season. He's one of the top scorers in the league. To me, he's got everything. He, you know, he, he seems to like just get what it needs to be a Dundee player. He's been there, what, five years or so now anyway, and every time you see that guy play, he gives 100%. Talk a little bit about him and his leadership and what it brings to the team. Dryden's just a complete player for me. Uh, and so surprised that we've actually been able to keep hold of him, but obviously he's got a family that now in Dundee. Uh, yeah, that boy's just all over the ice. He could play 40 minutes a game and he just does not look like he'll give up. Uh, and obviously, of course, feed from that. Having your captain do that type of work and, yeah, Dryden's just outstanding to me, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. I think when you've got a captain that puts that kind of... Uh work rate and it filters down to the rest of the boys. One thing I do like the, the direction you guys are taking, um, you're probably the one team in Scotland that is trying to develop Brits. Um, we, we, we'll talk about five later because they're an absolute joke. 
Um, obviously, you've got your likes of Ingles, lo- lo- local kid, Morsey, not quite a local boy, but obviously he's been in the three, four spells now. Of course, you've got a few um, young lads in there, McBean and Garrigan. What can you say about them? Because obviously, we, us down south, we don't get to see these guys play week in, week out. Do you think they're going to be players to go for in the future? Because um, at least you guys are trying to see, bring local guys through and, and give them some ice time. You need to do that, John. Like, as you were just mentioning there with Fife, like, look at them. Like, no homegrown players. Like, they left it far too late. You need that nucleus of your squad. You need the Brits who have been there for years who could bring in the imports and imports could feed off them. Uh, no, Ingalls, obviously, just back from his long term injury. It's good to have him back in the lineup. He always gives you a solid game every game he plays, tries his best. Uh, Mursey, he was excellent last night. It's the best game he's played this season. Uh, Garrigan, Puts his body on the line every single shift, and McBean is he's going to go far. He'll yeah. go very, very far. I like him. He's a fast player. Now, I, well, the first guy I saw him play, uh, and I didn't know who he was. And I just did this one quick sort of incident where he, he sort of stole the puck and might have ever run. My assumes an import, and when I realised he's a young British kid, I was like, "Geez, this this kid's he can play." Um, I think you've already alluded to Morsey and Ingles as well. I'm pretty sure if they were playing for a team maybe in the top four or five, they'd be considered for, for GB. Do you sort of find that sometimes a bit annoying that just because your British guys are playing in Dundee, they don't get a chance to play for the national team? Yeah, I feel like it, teams like ourselves get overlooked a little bit in that sense. Uh, Ingalls has been producing for the last three, four years consistently. Mersey, I'm very, very surprised he hasn't had a call up. Obviously, he's been up and down the country. Uh and obviously McBeans and McGarrigan are still at that stage where they're still progressing and obviously their career. But yeah, no, I do feel like it does get obviously overlooked, sorry. And I would say that Ingalls, and yeah, he does deserve a show. Obviously, listen to the podcast for himself. That's his goal. He does want to be part of the GB setup, and I feel like he does deserve it. If he keeps working the way he's working, then why not? Why, why overlook Dundee? 100%. He's 25, he's got age on his side, and he's good enough. But sometimes I think it comes down to a little bit of politics, and I suppose that happens in all you know, national teams. Talk a little bit about um, the off-ice side of things. Um, the crowds are, are improving week on week in Dundee. Clearly, the, the club is doing its best to kind of bring fans in week in, week out. And that's impressive, because even when you guys are losing games in on in the season, and you were, you were quite pissed off yourself, the crowds are coming back, and they're staying. What do you think that is? What, what what are the club doing to bring new fans in and, and to make the crowds bigger? The crowds are really, really good. Uh, every year they're getting bigger and bigger. Obviously, boys like myself and obviously other guys and who have been going around for years. Like the crowds that I knew maybe three, four years ago, it's totally new. Like it's totally a new set of people that are in the rink. I hardly know anyone now who are in the rink. Uh, but yeah, no, obviously selling the tickets well, selling the team well. Obviously, if a team's producing on the ice, people are going to want to come back. And if it's an exciting game, obviously, our last games, I think four out of five games, we went to overtime. Uh, but yeah, no, obviously, Dundee and Dundee United, it's very, very hard to obviously compete with football, obviously, as you boys know. Uh, but yeah, no, the crowds are growing and they're only getting stronger and stronger. And if we keep going, obviously, the way we're going this season, keep winning, obviously, as Mark would say, points every weekend then, yeah, I think the fans will continue to grow. Absolutely. Don't mention football, Con. We know we have a, a 
mutual team in common that we supported. It wasn't a good weekend, so we'll skip past the, the football reference very quickly. Last one before I get the boys to, to join in. Um, now, I made my prediction, which I'm kind of already regretting a few days in because uh, the weekend's results have not kind of gone in my favour in that respect. Um, and maybe time will tell, as we always see on the pods, and I'll stand by it until the, the season's finished. Where do you think, realistically, you boys can finish when it comes April when the uh, top eight are decided? Where do you think you're going to finish? Uh, I think, obviously, there's plenty of time to go. Teams are going to have their blips and teams are going to have their ups. Uh, I think if we keep going, keep getting points every weekend, uh, I think we could finish. Obviously, we're in, is it fifth or sixth now? Obviously, this changes every night because obviously the league's not close. But yeah, no, I could see where, obviously, fifth, sixth, seventh in there. I don't think we'll be any, I don't think we'll be eighth. And I definitely don't think we're going to be ninth, John. Well, if that's the case, I'll have to have some kind of forfeit, which we'll have to try and maybe sort of... Uh figure out between now and then but yeah I still think you may miss out I'm less confident than where I was admittedly when I made that bold statement last week and um, if I'm wrong I'm well happy to get um, comments from the people that told me I was wrong but let's just see how the season pans out for now just one from me Connor uh, the coach Mark Lefebvre he's He's mellowed out a little bit. He's, he's his interviews uh, a lot more positive. You maybe laugh tonight uh, after the the Sheffield game. It's like it's good to get your ass kicked now and again. Um, and it's not the 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 arrogant attitude. It's his second stint here. Um, what do you feel like he can do to grow the club if he's going to stick around for a couple of years? Because I feel like that's his plan. Yeah, definitely feel like that's his plan. I love that interview as well. So Scott, just listened to it before I came on the pod here. Uh, yeah, it's kind of just say like, boys, stay humble. Like you've obviously had points in the last seven, eight games, but you need to. This is a back to reality, kind of. You know what I mean? Go again next week and go into next week games. Yeah, Mark, I like Mark. He's, he's a good guy, good coach, and I think he was mellowed out in his interviews the last few weeks, as you boys have said. Uh, and hopefully he does continue. Obviously, we don't want uh, a different coach every year. And obviously, Mark knows the organisation very well. I've been being here before. And yeah, I do want him to stay and continue this project that he's on. Uh, and I'm obviously hoping that he could keep a nucleus of the players that we've got. But it is hard, especially a small team like Dundee, to do that. I haven't got any questions, which is more comments on and off the ice. On the ice, I, I appreciate Dundee as, as a team. They play it honestly. From an outside looking, they play the game very honestly. Um, they've got the ability. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with John in terms of where you guys are finished, but they've got the ability um, across the board. Um, and you know, when you had three guys in the top five point scoring at some stage, you know, Dundee don't really have that much, if we're being honest. So it's there, and there's bits there that I think Lefebvre can work with and really take on, like Scott says, the project that with that nucleus, I think things could be looking good for Dundee, but I also more impressed with the off ice. And for me, it started when, when COVID hit in and, and it seemed to me that the, the owners of the club and those who commit the decisions really sat down and gone, right, we need to do X, Y, Z to keep us going, but also not just flatline, but actually grow. And it's it, obviously, I looked at the highlights of the site and I'm like, you know, that's, that's, that's a good crowd and I appreciate it's Glasgow. But sometimes Dundee don't have them good crowds and you hear other people say, another good crowd for Dundee and it seems to be a building block and it's going on the up. And I... No way, Sheffield from the perspective, but you won't see clubs succeed 
in any way, shape, or form. And it looks like Dundee are starting to be on the upward curve because, like, for a couple of years, you kind of go, yeah, the ninth, tenth, that's guaranteed before pucks drop. But it seems to be your guys on and off the ice is really doing stuff that's really changing that mantra. And, uh, you know, I, I hope your guys do make the, um, the postseason. And as long as it's not against us, make it to the final four. Because I don't forgive you for knocking us out of the playoffs. Uh, it is a royal screw you. Uh, but jokes aside, mate, I, I, I'm really impressed with that. And, I, you know, hopefully um, the rest of the season you can really, you know, cement that playoff spot and uh, make it to the uh, final four. Yeah, I'm hoping so as well, David. Uh, I think obviously the fundamentals of the club over the past seasons, obviously last season, we all know what happened last season with Jeff. But for yeah, from Pasha, I think Pasha really grew the club. He done a very, very good job of that, and that was obviously one thing that he was really, really good at uh, getting new boys in. And I think that's the nucleus of the fans of where that's came from. And obviously, Mark's now got that to keep growing, keep 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 that growing, and keep. You need to keep these players because teams want to, obviously you need like yeah, sorry, I'm just blabbing on boys. But yeah, you do need to keep the nucleus of that team if you can. Mark done that before when he was here, kept the Ferena, Wildhammer, Switzer type of guy. So I'm hoping he can do the same again. I know it's going to be hard because teams like Sheffield and Belfast and Nottingham will be sniffing around these boys, but that's just what happens when players come in and they do well at a club like Dundee. Just for the record, uh, whilst my opinion is one thing, it's not what I hope will happen. If you guys can make the top eight, and it means Nottingham drop out, that would be hilarious, because let's be honest with you, they're a massive team. Um, still think Manchester are going to sneak in there, so for me it's going to be between you and Nottingham for that uh, that spot. But let's see what happens, and if you do qualify, good luck to you, mate. You know, I've got a lot of friends at Dundee, as you know, and I do love it. It's one of my favourite away trips to go to. But I have to sort of have an opinion, and it might not be an opinion that people like, but that's just me. I just say what I think. But Carl, mate, thanks for coming on. Um, we'll have to catch up with you soon, and good luck for the rest of the way, mate. No worries, boys. Thanks very much for your time. See you later, okay? Another good interview there. Um, Scott, it's, it's weird to say Dundee and positives, but they seem to be adding up a number of positives over in Dundee, and it, it showed in that, in that uh, review. 100%. And as I keep saying, like the, the, the Mark Lefebvre we had in September to the one we have now has completely changed his outlook. He went with a, a a tough team and it didn't work. He made the change quite quickly and it's allowed the team to play the way he probably envisaged they wanted them to play a little bit. And like Spencer Nasser is performing and after speaking to him, you can see why he's got his head switched on. The Valentini is on 40 points already. He's not even took a, a penalty minute. It doesn't, when does that happen? You know, when you're on that ice that much and you're playing in games where you might be getting blown out and you've not lost your head and took a silly slashing call. So they look like they've got a, a, a great little team and the crowds are there. Like Dundee's not a big place. Dundee's probably a third of the size of Coventry competing with two, two football teams that have got good crowds. It's um, look, I it's one of my favourite away rinks as well. I, I love that place. Um, uh, Dundee, you know, I'm I'm, I'm quite happy for them, and uh, I really do hope that they they finish in the top eight. I mean, look, second to tenth is madness, and uh, some teams, will, someone, two teams have got to miss out. I agree with John. Five will be one of them, but yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I can't call it. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I, I honestly hope they do it. Um, in reality, yeah, I've got an opinion. I don't just say things to antagonise people. Unless you're Belfast. Well, I'll do that all the time. I do enjoy doing that. Um, I based it on a hockey opinion um, that they wouldn't do it, but I do hope they do. I really do. And fair play to them because they grow in their brands. Um, in terms of, obviously, like Scott said, they're a small city or small town. They're competing with two bigger sporting clubs and they're doing the right thing to make them more of a progressive team and I honestly think they're the most progressive team in the Elite League they'll never be as big as certain teams in the Elite League but from where they're coming from to where they're going to they're probably ahead of most teams in, in how they're progressing I, I fully agree with that and I'm with Scott I, I, I like Dundee I've been for a while but it's a, it's a great venue uh, we got the uh, the Dundee Star TV guys on. They kind of won us a little bit. Um, so hopefully all things carry on northwards for the Dundee Stars. We move on to our third team. And we we had to delve into the Bullington Club uh, to get someone to help us with the review. It is the Cardiff Devils and it's our good friend, Greg Hewis. Greg, thank you very much for giving your time this evening. How are you, my friend? I'm all good. Uh, thanks very much, David. I've had to give up my brandy and cigars to jump on you tonight. So... Uh... Appreciate that. The hardships <laughs> that you give up, we appreciate. Tenfold, mate. Well, I'll ask you the questions about the Cardiff Devils because apparently I love the Cardiff Devils. Uh, so, Greg, I asked this Lewis last week um, and I loved his answer. So I'm going to say the same to you. Give a two or three word review of the Cardiff Devils season so far. Two or three are key. Two words. Totally inconsistent. Three words must do better. I think that pretty much sums us up for this for so far this season. Wow. I'm not going to disagree. You're 16 points behind the league leaders, and they've got a, a you've got a game in hand on them. Sorry. So if in yeah. John's world, you're 14 points behind. 16 <laughs> wins, 10 losses. Cole Sanford has got 17 goals, and then the rest are just really far behind what's going on it's, they just they just haven't found a winning formula um they haven't found the winning lines um we've suffered the same sort of injuries and sort of games that other people have played and and they've sort of dealt with it better um but if you look at our season so far the most wins in a row we've had is three uh the most defeats in a row we've had is three you know it's, it, there's nothing there that says that we're going to go on any sort of run of form that's going to get us where we need to be and obviously the league now is is gone no matter what David might think it's uh, everyone else is sort of saying uh, you know it's over which which it is you know with that lead that's you know, there's seven wins ahead of the nearest challenges which is us our brow at the moment um you know we've lost to every team apart from Belfast so far at least once the, the, the team just hasn't gelled, basically. And um, I think the Christmas period summed it up perfectly for us if we look at those four games between Boxing Day and New Year's. Two amazing performances against Coventry. And you're thinking, all right, have they found it? Is, is it going to click? Are we going to push on? Next two games, total opposite. And then we're back to square one again. Um, it's, it's, it's just an odd sort of situation really it just doesn't feel as though uh 
Pete Russell is happy with the sort of team he's got, and and I, th- I think you know it's 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 not what he envisaged. I don't think the games against Coventry. I mean, obviously, I watched them both. It was men against boys. It really was. Yeah. You passed us off the ice. We couldn't compete. You put fifteen goals past us. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to watch the Devil Steelers game. I thought, you know, it's going to be something juicy there. How can you go from putting the team to a sword to what was an inept performance? Sheffield, I know you scored early on uh, in the first minute, but the yeah. rest of the game, it was, we got dicked and there was yeah. no fight. No. No, I mean, we have been in the last two games against them. Um, it, you know, it hasn't even been close. Um and you know this, and sometimes you've got to hold your hands up and say, "See, look, you know, you're you're losing to a much better team, which which we are." Um, but oh, I think if if I could come up with an answer as to why that's happened, I, I'd probably be sat behind the bench, not <laughs> not in my living room <laughs> of an evening, trying to sort of work out what it is. It's there's players there that, on paper, you'd think, right, that they're good players, that that's a good looking team. Um, but just they're just not working, uh, right? It's, there's there's no consistency there. Um, like I said, when it does click, it's great. But but you, you, there's just, there's nothing there that's keeping us on track with that. Um, I was looking at sort of the the points that are sort of set lines and have scored um, so far this season. The highest one, if you look at Yuli, Arniel, and Crandall, who generally play together or have played together the most, they've scored sixty three points between them. Now. Valentini's got 40 on his own. The the Dundee top lane's got 95 points between the three of them. That, that, you know, that's not, that shouldn't be the case. You know, for, for the team of our budget and the resources we've got, we, sh- we should be getting more out of those players. Look, it's not, it's not all doom and gloom, but the reality is, I know you brought in Alderson, there should have been some more changes. There are players that are not performing. And John always bangs this drum and he's right and saying Cardiff don't sack players, but surely this is the year that Cardiff should have done it. Pete Russell's fresh in. He probably didn't sign a lot no. of his team. I'm pretty certain he didn't sign a lot of his team. I, I saw my, saw my, uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't think I would say probably no, a rough guess. I mean, I've, I've no idea, but for 50% of that team might not be his. And, it's, I think it's going to look a lot different next year. And I think that's from an import side and maybe a Brit side as well. Um, there's a case you could probably say that four of the players, at least that we've got at the moment, could be changed. Uh, and, and even people who you might not even think at the start of the season, like, so like maybe the likes of like a, a Cox or a Sanford, who haven't really performed this year. Um, as much as I would hate to say it, Joey Martin... He's 35 now, and I think there's got to be a time where we have to say, you know, goodbye to the the greatest player that we've uh, seen. I'm not going to say in the league, but <laughs> maybe for the Devils. And uh, it's you know, it, it's, there's got to be a lot of changes like that as well. And even with the Brits, I think we could see a few changes with those two coming up. Yeah, you, you're more than entitled to say that Joey Martin is one of the best to play in this league. I, I stand by that, but you are right. He is. He is 35. And so Pete Russell, it is his first year. He does get a free pass, but and he, it's next year that you can really nail down into his squad. But 
he has been a bit annoying at times from us listening in. The exit to the Challenge Cup was met with, oh well, yeah. And um, some of his some of his interviews, I, he said he wasn't throwing the players under the bus. How have you received Pete into the Cardiff Devils for you personally? I think, yeah, they're right. There has been a few interviews where you think yourself, mm, that's a bit odd. And what is he trying to sort of achieve there? I'm not sure if there's a bit of him trying to sort of maybe take some pressure off the group as a whole in sort of trying to come across as though, you know, okay, it's not too bad. You know, we can sort something out or it's not the end of the world or whatever it is. And, you know, you might have sort of uh, sort of a point there in, in doing that. I think the last thing you want is like to go back to a, you know, the old Thompson joke of throwing people under the bus every week and blaming somebody or other for a loss and things, you know, it just gets, um, it just gets to the players in the end, I think that, but the, the, it does make me think as well, does he really care what's going on in the time? So he just gives that impression, but I, I'm sure he does. And I'm sure there's accountability there. And I'm sure that he is pushing that group of players to, you know, to get as much out of them as he can. I'm just not sh- sure that they're giving as much as they possibly can week in week out and I think that's where the problem lies Why do you think that is? What what this team, Cox and Sanford and they were all dialed in last year, I know it's a change of face yeah. and that but what, because off ice in, in Cardiff, I know some fans moan a lot and you get that in any fan base but yeah. you sell out most weeks, um, the players are well looked after why do you feel like there's not that good feel good factor around the place because Laos I looking in I, I, I feel that there isn't I, I'm not sure if it's a, I don't think I don't uh, I mean I don't know what, what was on behind closed doors um, but it, there might be a sort of a, a, a tension in some somewhere or other I, I don't know if there is uh, I, I can only put it down to maybe the fact that for the last two years they've had somebody like DuPont who's let's, let's face it isn't going to be the sort of guy who's going to be in your face and demanding and he's going to let you have a free ride and to do Scaldi by all points or all accounts sorry um was a bit similar you know he wasn't that in your face sort of coach and maybe you now with Russell coming in this year he has got that accountability on them and he has got those demands and he has got those standards and maybe there's a couple there that feel that you know that's not for them and they don't want to be pushed and that's what's sort of pushing them back again. Um, and if that's the case, that's the way I think we will see the changes then for next year, where we'll get those players in who will react to his, his type of coaching. Most successful teams, they 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 build a core. I think the Belfast Giants are the only anomaly when they brought about one import and won the league. So mm. we're all in the agreement the league's done. Two two part question: What is success for this this Cardiff Devils team this year in finishing the league and of trying to win the playoffs? And if you were to bring back a core, if I could say you could bring back a set amount of players, who are you looking to bring back to build a team for next year? Yeah, well, I mean, there's only one thing we can go for now, and that's the playoffs. And I think it's hard because if you look at our team, you think that that's a team that should be winning the trophy this year whatever one that was. Uh, but then when you look at Sheffield now, having played half the season, it, it's it's looking very hard that anyone's going to get past them when they're on it. And so success for us, I think we've got to get at least to the playoff final, <laughs> I think, and then and then see what happens from there. And, you know, it's a one-off game and, and who knows, you know, 
we're one of the few teams to have actually beaten Sheffield in a competitive game this year. So uh, you you, know, you don't know what's going to happen on, on the actual day there. With regards to looking at sort of forward to next year, I honestly don't know. I, I, I personally, I, I could already think of about sort of five players that I might bring back from from this year's team. If you know, if it's a, another season where we don't win a trophy, um, we've got Arniel, um, Alderson, and Yuli are probably the only forwards import wise that I would love to bring back from what I've seen this year and their performances, their attitude, and I think what they can bring to that organization, not just the team, but the organization itself. Those three forwards are sort of out and above the best. I don't think there's anybody else I would look at to bring back. And I know there's fan favourites and people love Pietro Nero, they love Brandt and a lot of the players, but they're not going to win us anything. And ultimately, that's what we're in the business to do. And, and that's what we need to look at. Um, Defence-wise, from an import uh, perspective, I would probably look at Donaghy. He looks quite solid. He's pretty unassuming. He's not flash. He's not like a Crawford who, who's going after the points. Um, if you look at his sort of overall game and, and what he does, and when he's on the ice, we don't tend to concede that much. So I think definitely him. Um, and then from a Brit point of view, I I think we're at a bit of a crossroads with a few of those. And I think there's probably out of the six we've got, there's it could be an argument that three of those could be due to, you know, to, to sort of move on or retire or whatever it is they're going to do. Um, Richie's 37. How, how long has he got left? He's, you know, he's still performing now, but that's not going to be far away where he's going to be hanging them up and, and going off into the sunset. Um, you've got a group of players and you've got Batch, Bounds, Davis and Duggan. Uh, sorry, Davis. Um, all 32 Bounds is still, for me, a top-notch goalie. And I don't think there's a team who really would refuse to have him in the league uh, for what he gives you. Um, he's still got, and as a goalie, he's still got a, a few years left in him as well. Um, Batch, I think, is, uh, I think he probably, his time's done. <laughs> and if, you know, you, you see people on, on Twitter sort of saying, well, he's, he's been told he's got a year left or he's told he was going to retire this year. And, that can't be good for the old mindset if you've been no. thinking about that now. So he could be one that goes. Um, and Davis, like I say, he's 32, but he is still performing and doing a job for us. And he's been amazing on the penalty kills for us this year. A couple of shorties to his name. Um, you know, he's still performing there as well. So I think he'll be around. And then you've got the younger ones then of Duggan and, and Waller. And Waller is one where I think everyone would agree that you've got to do all you can to keep him. He is like the outstanding young I think at the moment in, in, in the league, um, the skill set he's got and his performances, he, he should be playing high up the lines every week, not just getting the odd chance, but he's one you need to keep hold of. And Duggan, again, I say, is another one who's at a bit of a crossroads. He needs to start performing to the potential that everyone thought he had when he joined us a few years ago. So it's interesting. And you've got people then, you know, Reese Kelly, we've let go. He's an outstanding prospect who you know, he should be in within our team now this year. He's the one who should be taking over from Richie when, when he goes. Um, you've got Bailey Hayward, who's a young lad who's having an odd chance knowing you're in a two-way with Bristol. He's another one who's, who's got a lot of potential here. And then I think Storm have got probably one of the best goalie prospects in Oldale going. And 
if nobody's around snipping the snap, snap him up next year, then there's something wrong. So they are three could potentially look at to change and bring in uh, to replace the ones we've got there already. I think uh, the league as a whole, there'll be a massive British shake-up and it'll be interesting to see with Pete in his second year as GB coach who actually wants to go and play for their GB coach. That is the real test because you're going to be well looked after in Cardiff and it's the trust that uh, Cardiff will put into their British players and I think that will be a a, a massive point. Continental Cup, let's talk about it. yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the best. I, I watched a game against Astana. I was baffled that you were, didn't go with bounce. And yeah. if Twitter could tell you how a game goes, you'd be thinking Cardiff were really unlucky. But I didn't see that. I, it's really odd, and I thought the same as well. And having watched the game, and then sort of reading the sort of comments coming through during the night, and I was like. Have I got it wrong here, or what am I? Am I looking at something different? And and I think people were right. There was a lot of effort put in by the team over, over that game against Astana, and they they went at it for those you know, sixty minutes. But for me, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was, it, the effort wasn't in the right places. It was. It was sort of like gung ho and go for it. But there was no sort of structure to it, and it's like. I was trying to think of an analogy you could put to it, and it was like me trying to cut down a tree with a butter knife, and here comes a starner with their chainsaw and just efficient and just get a job done. And I, I know it might not make sense, but that's sort of the way he was looking at it. It was just like huff and puff, basically. Um, and we didn't learn any sort of anything from the time we played them last in the, in the last round. They did exactly the same things to us. And yeah, people have been saying that they, they've been bringing KHL players in and. And what have you? I, I I don't know how true that is, but they certainly look you know, a decent team, and and it, we definitely seem to have un- underestimated them a bit. And I think that's why Wall played instead of Bounds. So I thought we were going to, or they thought they were going to get that win in the first game. Um, but obviously the uh, we, we were undone by it. Um, second game, Catavis was much better, and I think f- f- from that game it was a case of we were on it all game and everything worked as they should and we got the result we needed uh, a great event around and the fans really helped that as well so um, setting game yeah you can't really sort of say anything against that it was, it was, and it was all good to go and third game uh, like tonight is a bit of a dare I say it um, third place playoff vibe <laughs> really because the competition had gone and Astana had already won it. And so we were just playing for second place, basically. Um, and so it, 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 nothing on, whilst nothing on a game, it was just a case of like, you know, get, get what you can, do what you can. And you can't really sort of like look in, much into that. But it's definitely, again, it's another frustrating weekend of hockey where it's like, I don't know, what could have been? It's another one of those. So uh, like I see pretty much sums up our season. Just one more for me, me then is... Um... We will, we will talk about it later, but Cardiff will definitely take that chance if given the opportunity to play in the Continental Cup again. I feel like the fans, yeah. even though it was at home, there was a lot of positive um, yeah. tweets from the Cardiff fans saying how much they enjoyed it, even though it was at home. Yeah, yeah, and, and as a spectacle and as, as an event, it's, it's amazing. And and if we do get 
lucky enough to get asked back again. I hope we take the chance up um, because it's a, a trophy that for somebody from our league, it, it's possible to win it. Whereas the CHL, you're in it just for a bit of fun and to play some big teams and see some good hockey. Um, you know, there's a genuine chance. And, and for Sheffield this year, if they had entered it, I reckon they would have won it. <laughs> they would have, they would have, they would have done it. And you know, Mister Sims can sort of bemoan the fact and try and change the narrative on why they didn't uh, enter it. Because at first of all, it was availability, and now it's you know, or they haven't got the roster, or the players, or the the time to fit the games in, or whatever it is. But they could have won that competition, and they would have been sat, you know, with their sandwich tray enjoying the during the evening. But hey ho. I agree, um, but we'll go on to the, the the ifs and buts of our lack of participation and whatever excuse um, is first thrown at. Uh, to me, uh, and it was actually quite telling that the WHF actually quote that uh, how well Cardiff did, given that Guildford and Sheffield didn't take their spot in the tournament. Uh, very telling that um, you know potential ramifications and, and fairness deserved. I look at Cardiff, and I mentioned on the pod a couple after the game, the midweek game against um, against our, our teams, and I, I, I've never seen a team so dominant in your building. And I go back to the Big Bull Ten, I even go back to the WNAR, and it, it just feels like there seems to be sometimes. And I'm going to mention a player that I know Scott's a big fan of, but it seems to be more bothered sometimes perception here that they're more bothered about promoting and pumping the tires of the likes of a Riley Brandt than actually the skill sets that your team does have. And I think sometimes that kind of, it shows and it's coming across from the fans as well. It's like, well, we've got this and we've got that, but and, and we've talked to off record, of, of course, in terms of what you actually do have. And it just seems like, and I ask this question, is it kind of, again, outside looking in that the fans are kind of going, a bit siege mentality of, but we, we've got this, we've got that. And it's kind of glossing over the fact that given the high bar that Cardiff has set over the years, you're not hitting the mark. Yeah, no, um, I can't really argue with that. It's, you're right, those two, those performances from Sheffield in the last couple of games is, I think the last time I've seen something like that happen to us at home was when Belfast came in and won, I think it was something ridiculous, eight or nine two um they, they beat us a few years back um where they just totally dominated and ran the show um so yeah it doesn't happen very often but it, it you know it just shows what sort of team that Sheffield got this year um i think there is a case of that because um brand is very much put on a bit of a pedestal i think by sort of fans and the club and and to be honest and, and to be fair to sort of him as well is he's doing the job he's being put there to do and he's doing that to the best of his abilities and he's doing that quite well but for for me that's not what we need as overall going forward and there are guys there who like you know like Yuli like Arniel um, Bush who who are on a skill level much better players and and they're the ones that really want to be sort of going to watch and do their things every week rather than somebody who's going to be just smashing into people and trying you know, to get, get some energy going all the time, which you do need, and, and you do need that on your team, but it's you need more than that. You need, you need them to do more, and you've already got to look at Sheffield's fourth line this year to sort of see how effective that can be 
in the grand scheme of things when you when you've got those sort of players in. Um, so so definitely, yeah, it is something that we need to sort of probably change the sort of the mindset of is right. We're looking at these players, not the, not best of a player, and that's what we need to focus on. So I'll ask this last question uh, before I bring John in if he's got anything. And I appreciate what you said earlier on in terms of what would be good for Cardiff this season was to make the final of the playoffs. Uh, but a bit of a kind of a double-edged sword here. Would actually, from a perspective of getting things right, would actually be beneficial for Cardiff not to make the final and potentially even make the final four to go, right, we now need a reset. Cardiff has done well. And let's, I'll mention that and, and everyone can quote me on, on Twitter, but Cardiff have done well over the last few years. But maybe is it the time you've got a coach in Pete Russell who knows the game and has done wonders at the international level and actually has done well in mainland Europe for the teams he's been a yeah. part of. Would it be actually quite beneficial for the Devils in a bizarre sort of way to actually not do anything? Because it kind of goes, right, we need to clean the slate. We know what we've got. Let's keep the ones that we really need to keep. So let's say a Bodie Wilder or Arnold, like the players that you've mentioned, and say, thank you. We've loved your service. It's time to move on to a lot. To really give Cardiff an impetus to go, right, next season, we've seen the bar move and we need to get back to where we believe we deserve to be. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I get it. The point you're making is like, yeah, it would be the jolt that they maybe need to sort of say, okay, actually, it's not working, it's not right, or whatever it is, and then, and then go again. Um, it's I th- the reason I said that we, we probably would be is, is as well is because I think apart from Sheffield, everyone's quite similar this year in terms of standard and and performances and so there's no reason why we shouldn't make that those final four or the final of of the playoffs um it's i think i think the change will happen regardless this year whether we win something or no or whether we get to the playoffs or no i just think there will be that sort of full year where russell can sort of like get the summer and think right this is what i want this is what we need put it in place and then we'll be good to go. Um, so I think that will happen anyway. Um, but I know you're saying that if, if we didn't make the playoffs, we, I mean, you know, we were in that final four for the weekend, uh, it, it would cause a bigger, bigger stir than it would otherwise. And I appreciate I'm asking that question because of all the teams and everyone, everyone's proud of the teams, but if there's a, a proud team uh, and proud of what they do, especially the playoffs, it is the Cardiff Devils. So oh, yeah. I respect that. Uh, Greg, I tease you at the beginning, but I always love you when you're on the pod. You bring a lot to the to the episodes. Uh, thank you ever so much for your time, and uh, we'll, we'll bring you on to we'll probably over the playoff weekend, and we'll see where things are and uh, see if you're right in terms of if Cardiff do make that final. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Be uh, be glad to. Always a pleasure. So that's we've done the three teams, um, and we'll do more next week. Scott, John, Greg always brings a lot of knowledge and, and passion to to the pod when he comes on. Same old, same old from tonight, weren't it? Yeah, he talks a lot of sense, to be fair. And uh, I think, unlike maybe certain people, um, he doesn't get too emotive about things. He he turns up more of a, a cool head. Um, and people like myself can sometimes speak a little bit before the brain's engaging. Um, I think, to be fair to Greg, he's very good at thinking things through and being rational. And it's a skill I wish I had myself at times. Um, yeah, the user was fair. I think the team does need a big overhaul. Um, there's a few names he mentioned that perhaps maybe, yeah, they, they need to move on. Um, I think sometimes Cardiff, especially Cardiff fans, can be a little bit guilty of sometimes not 
wanting to let players go, even after like the season, not just sacking guys. When to give them a season too many, or you know, a second season too many, it's happened in the past with many players whereby they they just they oh they're a fan favorite, you know, and all that, and the fans love them. No, they're in the business to win. They need to be ruthless. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe ten changes, maybe. Um, I, I think they probably need 10 changes. Um, the Brits, like we said, are a little bit older now as well. And I would trust Russell to get it right. Um, I know I did make that prediction back in the summer, which really was a little bit uh, maybe bold and a bit early by myself. I think I picked a bit too soon. Um, but like Scott said, half the team at least isn't his, his, his team. And I think it's hard to judge a coach really, especially in this league where they typically would recruit their own team. It's not like the NHL where they inherit a team or the HL and they work with what they're given. You, you can effectively sort of bring the players in you trust and who you know can do a job for you. And I'm sure it'll be a big summer. Um, losing is not a Cardiff trait that they accept very well. They expect to win, rightly so. You're getting to a point now where you're looking at, what, seven years or so since he won the league? Um, it's a long time, especially when Kelman was suggesting to be a dynasty after the second Um title win yeah Greg brings a lot of good points um, and I think it's good having him on there to have a bit of a calm head and yeah he knows he knows the game well he's been around a long long time and we all adore the, we all adore the fella even if he's a Tory <laughs> no Greg it, it's um, humbling a little bit because Greg doesn't want to diss the Cardiff Devils we know that but tonight he he was honest in his assessment and I'm 100% around the Joey Martin thing. When you get a nice, shiny new car, it's great, but uh, eventually it gets old. And that's what Joey Martin has got old now. And with the Cardiff fans is because they've only known success with Joey, they don't want to give it up. But if they want to rebuild and win again, they need to completely change that mantra. So they are going to have to see some departures. And as John said, 10 changes. I feel like that's the way Cardiff need to go. And I do expect a massive pushback from the Cardiff Devils next year. But you're going to have to say some, some goodbyes, Cardiff fans. For sure. And I think that's the problem. that You, you, you can't, like, it's this weird. There's been players all named names in the past where they've been well past their sell-by dates. And the fans are like, oh, yeah, we want to have him back. The thing is, if you keep bringing the same players back all the time that didn't succeed, you're going to fall further and further behind. Because every other team around you, is looking to improve. And I agree, as much as Joey Martin's been an incredible player for that team for a long, long time. 35, a few injuries now. He hasn't got the same impact. I think the, the thing we said in the summer, and we said it a few times, if they want to compete with the top teams, that top line would probably be best to be a second line. And it never happens. They've dragged another season out of that top line. And as Scott said earlier, they, they haven't really performed as much, um, especially in the likes of Cox. You know, and... The bits I've seen of them, they look frustrated and they're giving away dumb penalties and cost themselves games because they're not playing to the level they're capable of or they think they're capable of. And I think that, yeah, it's maybe a little bit rusty there now. I, I think it, I loved what Greg brought and it's it is a fair assessment. And I think, I remember mentioning it before, that the Devils fan base now, or the majority of it, that's all they know is success, is silverware, year after year. And that's not a bad thing. And it's you know similar in Sheffield, similar in Belfast. When you have them lean years where you go, oh, right, where do we go from here? And it, it, you know, it appears that so far looks like it may change in Sheffield. But 
each fan base needs that. Uh, and in fairness, years ago, and I'm not taking the piss here, but Coventry have had that when they had the the lean years, but they obviously, and again, I'm saying this to, to have a dig at the Blaze, but they never kind of did the let's jump on and, and do the rebuild and get back to where they were. Fan bases need that as well as teams. So you know, if Greg reckons 10 players need to change, I'm, you know, I try as much as he's our favourite Tory, I trust him. If that's what he thinks, then that would be what we would, we would require of a devil's team to get back to where they believe they are to be. But do you know what? Don't know about you guys. My thought there were another three good uh, reviews, and then we have more next week. And I'm looking forward to them. Again, thank you to Brett, Connor, and Greg for their input. We, as ever, we, we enjoy their viewpoints on their teams, and we look forward to next week's. We'll, uh, we'll confirm the people we have on. We're still in negotiations contractually, so we can't really name those yet, but we'll do it during the week and uh, we'll uh, give you the exclusives as and when we can. So, fair bit still to talk about, so we'll just briefly go over the results over the weekend just gone. So, from Friday to Sunday, Nottingham's doubleheader in Belfast. Game one was a 2-1 victory for Belfast. Game two was a 4-2 victory for Belfast. Dundee beating Glasgow in overtime. Manchester pushing Sheffield all the way, but losing 5-3 in Altrigham. Five losing to Guildford 3-2 in overtime uh, up in Kikori. Then today, the 14th, Sheffield, as we already mentioned, Beat Dundee Star 6-1. Coventry, the overtime kings, again, winning in the overtime 5-4 to 5. I wonder if we'll hear about the travel on that one. And Guildford um, beating Manchester 3-1. But I have seen, I want, I've, I've not seen enough, so I'll talk about it, but Matt Gingen kicked out. Uh, the calm and composed Matt Ging. Uh So I'm looking forward to reading a bit on that. We've not mentioned Cardiff in the league because this weekend they were in the Continental Cup final, which they hosted. And all accounts, it was a great weekend both on and off the ice for those who were in attendance. However, it wasn't a home victory. It was, as some put it on Twitter, we have to mention it, the Farmers of Astana. Nomad Astana with a three, and th- three wins out of three, taking home the Continental Cup. To go for the results, um, Katowice uh, beating Herning on penalties, 5-4. Nomad beating Cardiff 5-2 regulation. Nomad then beating Herning 7-2. Uh, Katowice losing to Cardiff 3-2 in regulation. Astana completing the sweep 3-1 win over Katowice. Cardiff losing 3-4 against Herning to take bronze. Herning taking silver and Astana taking the gold. John, as someone who, like myself, has done the European games and watched games in Europe, these are big weekends. And I know we're going to talk about how some people have diminished it over domestic priorities. But when you get the opportunity to be the forefront, to be essence, be your flag bearer for your league, you take them and they're great weekends, not just for the fans, because I know that was a mentioned in the summer, but actually better for the club because after this weekend, Cardiff are on the view on the map. Absolutely. Like you say, it's exposure. I'm sure if you were to ask every player on every roster in this league privately, would you happily compete in a European competition against European teams you wouldn't typically play or play the same teams in the league a thousand times a year, like we seem to do. Fair play to Cardiff. They took on the uh, the, the, the task of competing for the UK. We all know the teams that didn't, that didn't take on the uh, the challenge and the excuses that were given, and I'm not buying them. I'm not going to go over that too much, but Cardiff, to be fair, took it on. Um, my best memories of, of hockey are always international, whether it be domestic or, or national. I love seeing European hockey. I love to see... The different styles that teams play and 
players you've never seen before. Um, and I'm not having this like bullshit that it's not a good competition. Everyone I know that was there, a lot of my friends, of course, did go to the weekends. I've not seen one negative comment. They loved it. Absolutely loved it. And these are the kind of games and, and, and competitions you remember, you know, in, in 10, 15, 20 years' time. You're not going to remember playing these five, 25 times a season. But you remember playing these Katowice or Herning. To the point now, I think we're all Devils fans now. They're all Katowice fans now going forward. Um, there was a little bit of talk. And I, you know, we talked ourselves, you know, during the weekend. And we said it was bullshit that they'd come over. There'd be all these football hooligans kicking off and it'd be battering block 13 and stuff and all this sort of, you know, nonsense that was going to happen. We've luckily, the three of us, been around GB games. David and I, you know, yourself especially, and myself, and Poland. We've been Poland in this country and also abroad. And they're, they're loud fans. They're passionate fans. Um, they have a few drinks, but they're not hooligans. And it's a good experience to be around fans like that who are there for the for the party and, and they're to you know enjoy themselves. And the kind of fans seem to have appreciated it. And yeah, they had a bad start. Maybe you question not starting bounds on Friday. I think pretty much maybe they give a little bit. Uh, None of respect, should we say, to the opposition. Um, and it could have obviously bit them in the arse. And if they'd won that first game, who knows? Um, they would have obviously been going into today's game likely on the back of two wins and probably would have maybe had a chance to win the whole thing. But absolutely, I think European hockey is, is incredible. Fans clearly had a great time. I'm sure the players love being on the ice with different uh, nationalities and different teams. And hopefully next year, if... Whichever team is offered the place, they'll take it. Because you turn down the chance to play for you know for your country. Um, will we get invited in the future? And that was always my concern at the beginning. Sheffield and Guildford turning it down, kind of took it on. Do the WHF say in the future, we'll go fuck yourself. You know, you want to play in this competition, we want to invite you. But yeah, love it. Um, unfortunately, didn't get the, the, the win to get the, uh, the actual title, but all in all, it seems to be a good weekend and the fans have gone away almost rejuvenated. I think the club needed that, if I'm honest. I think the fans are a bit pissed off. There's no other physical approach from the Devils this weekend and I think going into the second half of the season, they got a bit more, hopefully, energy in that building and you know more games to look forward to where they might get some better results. 100% full credit to the Cardiff Devils for taking part and hosting it. And yeah, look, I didn't agree with, as I said earlier, about not starting bounds, but it is what it is. They didn't win anyway. And Astana, who, look, they played the same way they played against them two months ago. And Devils didn't really learn on that. But as a whole, positive move for the Cardiff Devils. And look, Cardiff lost twice this weekend, but the fans are all united and saying how positive a mood, a mood it was throughout the ring. They're coming away from it happy. We we take the, the mick out of Block 13 for trying to create an atmosphere, but they would have learned off the Polish fans as well. And even the, the naysayers of what Block 13 do, uh, give them credit this, this weekend. So they didn't win it. But there's a lot of p- positives for Cardiff and uh, other teams around the league that say no to this competition. Well, no, fair thoughts to the Cardiff Devils. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in fairness, you, you had the, the Katowice fans who were on all accounts. It was fantastic. I spoke to a couple of friends and they couldn't speak highly of them. They, they just 
noise, the energy, but it was a great way of doing it. It weren't the negative stuff that we all heard in the van. Also, the Herning fans, they bought the flags and the colour. And I think sometimes in, in British hockey fan, uh, we get stuck in our, oh, we've got to play Milton Keynes or Manchester or whoever 50 million times. It's hockey by accountancy. And yes, profit ain't a date word. But I think we get stuck in that mindset of we've just got to play them because that fills the coffers. And sometimes you have to give something that gives a freshness. Cardiff fans, or those who are looking to go there, have a freshness now. They, Like you said, Scott, they've not won it, but they've come out of this going, wow, what a fucking weekend that were. We watched a feeder team to the KHL. So, yes, that's your farm team. The farmers with the tractors and the hay barns to the KHL team. Standard. Great. Herning, very top team in, in Denmark. Katowice, always one of the top teams in Poland. So they've seen a great standard of hockey. And it's 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 weird but great to have a fan base leave a venue where they've lost games and going, that was great, that. And like, I think the, the key thing for what you said there, Scott, is they're United. And they're a dangerous bunch when they're United. They're cantankerous, but they're a dangerous bunch. But I've got to add what John said. Well, some of my favourite stories in hockey in general is from the Conti Cup and the CHL. But European hockey in general. Uh, some you know, I have a particular great memory. I'm not going to bore you with but... It's from these tournaments, these weekends where you get the chance to see and be around different, you know, let's say the Katowice fans. And me and John have seen it from the national side with Poland. And obviously you've seen it when they've played in commentary in pre-season. They, they are a different style. They don't go down this. It's family sport and that's it. You can't do anything about. You're told to clap. You're told to cheer. You're told to sing Sweet Caroline. Other songs are available. But you're told to do everything all the time. They don't. They take it among themselves and they make an atmosphere. Other fans do it in different countries. And it's great to be, you know, allow yourself to get immersed in that environment. You know, and they're good, you know, myself and I'm lucky to be in different countries where you, you get to know, you got to talk to these fans and, and how they, and why they do it. And it's just an energy. It gives you an energy to be a fan. Because sometimes, and you'll, you'll, you know yourself, Scott, it, you can kind of bog yourself down with watching stuff all the time. But when you get these opportunities to be amongst these different fan bases in different countries, it just gives you energy. So you're in that next domestic game. You've got that buzz about yourself, not because of your, or your team winning, but the experiences that you've picked out from. And I, I think, you know, teams who don't do it, and I know, I know my team was one, and I'm sure we're going to go on to one of the main architects on oh, steering the park. You miss out. I agree. Your point about me being watching the blaze play uh, sorry gb play poland at the sky dome it's a good 500 come it's not it's but i'm like why please come to the blaze please bring that energy but they don't they literally it's just poland poland polska 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 yeah i'm like please i'll, I'll start a commentary blaze polish supporters club <laughs> i'd love <laughs> to bring that energy to uh but yeah 100 percent right and from all accounts, a great, great weekend. Before you carry on, mate, did you go to the game, uh, the GB game against Diano Riga? Yes. Now you're talking energy. Yeah. 2,000 Latvians. And it felt like just a couple of GB fans with flags. That was a barn that was loud as hell. Just class. Just class. Uh, uh, look, Cardiff Devils didn't lose out this weekend. Um, and as a whole, I feel they will 
learn a lot and hopefully they bring it into next weekend's energy when they're moaning and shouting at each other but uh, you know one point i do want to kind of highlight what john said they probably needed it because of all the, the negative stuff and all the results not going away and everything just not going to go into plan this weekend and we mentioned this last year fairness is it what well, it could be just the right time for him and i think the final was the right time for the devils just to give them that jump and go you know, we're still here, we're still about, we're still competing. Um, but congratulations, Astana, um, and congratulations, Cardiff, on hosting it. I know it was a, a nice little dummy run for when they host Olympic qualifiers, which we'll talk about later on, but uh, well done all round, it's fair to say. I think the fans as well are waiting for the whole weekend. Um, we all know double, especially trouble headers, are very tiring. Um, okay, there's no travel involved, but three games in three nights, and if you watch the other games as well, it's exhausting. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of fans go back to work tomorrow. Absolutely knackered. So uh, fair play to the ones who went along every night, sing every night, chant every night, drink every night, and they're probably knackered tonight. So good effort. They've certainly earned a few hours, Kip. Um, and like I say, fair play to them all. Sticking with the, um, the Conti Cup theme, uh, and as I, they both alluded to me and Scott, um, social media's had a few comments from a particular club and a particular person who's justified their team not being in the Conti Cup with a Nostradamus-style prediction that they'd have less players on a particular weekend when the decision was done six or seven months before. Um, it was, of course, David Sims. Uh, I've, I'll, I'll have my thoughts I'll, uh, later. I'll go Scott. Um, if he knew that, why didn't he put Euro Millions on Get the the big jackpot and buy the club. That type of I know what's going to happen was just a bit more than random. No, I didn't like it. It, it and it also took the piss out of the Cardiff Devils for doing it a little bit. You had no in you had no clue that the Sheffield Steelers would run away with the league this year. So, and my point is now, Sheffield win the league, not guaranteed a CHL spot. Do they then? decline the Continental Cup again. So what's the excuse this time around? I didn't like it. A lot of Twitter didn't like it. And it just it just seemed needless. And he is speaking on behalf of eight thousand Sheffield fans. He's not got that voice. Who who decides whether you, Brett, Jim down the road, wants to take a part in it? I didn't like it. And uh, it just shows why it was annoying. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think the initial excuse about, um, oh, we've had players going into before. I know Dowd got hurt that time. Uh, I think it's all been Denmark from memory and obviously Connolly got hurt as well. Um, like there's been comments made, obviously there's probably more chance of a player getting injured in all the additional Challenge Cup games, which is true. Um, and on the logic, you don't play in a competition because of injuries. Look at GB when they've had friendlies before the World Championships the last few years. Mosey's been hurt twice, bad injuries in, in those friendlies. Do you then say, oh, we don't play friendlies now, we go straight to playing in the Worlds and we just don't risk friendlies? No, you don't, because you need those friendlies to get ready for the Worlds, you know. And Okay, is this a chance you take? If those players hadn't got injured, maybe they wouldn't have the same stance that they do. Um, 
But I think Greg, you know, Greg was right earlier. I'm pretty confident if Sheffield was in that competition, they'd have won it. They canter, um, even with three lines, you know, and the, the players they've got missing. And you know, you, you can squeeze two weekends worth of games in somewhere. We, we've seen this done a dozen times, you know, in the last however many years. Games get called off for weather, even in COVID. Okay, different times. Players were like getting told on the day of a game, "Oh, we're going to go to play in Cardiff today or Coventry." They were changing games on a whim. And I know that was with no crowds involved. I get that. It just goes to show the clubs can come together and they can make the fixtures work. They, we, we work with each other. We have to, we need each other. I'm not buying the congestion of fixtures at all. And, but again, success breeds success. If they won that competition today, that's the first pot in, in the trophy cabinet right there. You tell me players wouldn't be hungry for more. They want to, you know, they're going to win the league anyway. They're possibly going to win the Challenge Cup. Does that momentum take them to the tra- to the trouble? Maybe so. But that's a chance to win a trophy that you're not going to get many chances to compete in. And they've dropped the ball. And the problem is, people like him, who's the most stubborn person in the world, he thinks he knows everything, won't see any other side. When he's made his mind up, he's right. And no one else is going to dare change that opinion. Um, and all his disciples will agree with him. But I'm sure if Sheffield fans were given the option, I'm sure the players, if they were given the option, they would happily be involved. Because at the end of the day, you play sport to play against the best and to compete against the best. And if I'm a hockey player and I get a chance to play in that competition, I want it all day, every day. And unfortunately, just because he thinks it's wrong to compete in it, I wouldn't think so a view shared by many players or fans. Now. We don't know because they keep the council to themselves what the other high end of the management think. Um, we can make assumption, we can make guesswork. Um, for me, and I speak as a Jeff fan, I want to see my team be the best. I, I, I know my team is not going to be on the same table as a Frolunda, as a Tapera Tampere, as a Davos, as a Red Bull Munich. But are you telling me that my team can't be on the second tier table with the next best in Europe? I generally think we can. I think there's a few teams in the UK that can be on that second table and flirt between the first table in terms of tiers. And I want, you know, when we say we want to be the best, well, why, why do we not want to flex the muscles in Europe? We would have been in the final. We'd have made the top two. You look at the two groups, we'd have, I generally comfortably believe we'd have beaten in any group we'd have, we'd have got through to the final. Um, would we have hosted it? Well, we don't get to host it. And if I'm honest with you, I'd ask questions. Why at Sheffield, you look at the venue and the facility, we, can't, we don't get... 2018, when we made it through to the, uh, the final, it was held in Minsk, way before the Russians decided to invade Ukraine. But tell me what, and we bid it for it. So, you know, what is it that we're not, we don't have that others do? And on all accounts, you know, you, you go to the to Belarus, you've got the visa issue over in, in the teams was Astana, um, could have even been Cortina and Unospinsk. So, one team may have had an issue with visas, whereas three teams had to deal with the visa work going to there. So, you have to ask questions why, when Sheffield's in it, we don't get to host it when we've bid it for it. Cardiff have now two years on the trot held around including the prestigious final. Belfast have held it. In fact, I think memory says right, they held the semi-final and the final. 
when I was in it. So if other teams can do it, as a Sheffield fan, and this is not me slagging the club off, but you have to ask this question because clubs want to progress. Clubs want to improve. So what do we not have or what do we have that prevents us from hosting these rounds? Because, yeah, we need to make some money on it. No issue with that at all. And it's just, for me, and I'm happy to be a, a Billy and be told I'm backwards and not understanding everything about it, that I, you know, I want to see my club progress. Now, I believe, I'm, I'm going to be blunt here, there's a kind of a two-part of the fan base of Sheffield. You've got the older ones, maybe talking five years, watching it onwards, who can see things, understand it. And you've got this borderline religious cult of fans that will do everything. And no part is wrong. Let me stress that. No part of the fan is wrong. But this belief of what they, whatever they say, yeah, it's right, it's fine. And you see it on Twitter. And I just like people just to challenge a little bit, just to go, well, why not? Don't just accept the first thing. Not because they're lying, and I'm not saying they are. But give us more. Give us more meat on the bones. I'll just say, you know, oh, well, we can't, we lost the weekend because of the international get a break that we'll mention later on that we're playing for it. So you get that out of the way. Like John said, you work together and get some schedule in so that games can be played in the week. We've just had in Sheffield, yes, over the festive period, but we've had eight games in 15 days. That's fine. But you can't move a couple of games midweek throughout the season. Four games over the whole season. Tell me that can't be done. Are you telling me you can't go end of September, midweek game here? That's one of you done. You're telling me that can't be done. That physically can't be done. Or is it not wanted to be done? And you know what? If that is the case, you know, some fans say, you know, they just don't want to lose a Saturday night home game. And if that's the case, say it. I'd rather have that honesty as a, as a fan of the team to go, this is why. We'll make a lot more by doing this and not entering that. Might not like it, but I appreciate the honesty. And I feel there's areas where we can hide things, not hide things, probably that's the wrong terminology, but trying to move things and move the conversation where we don't actually examine it properly where what why likes the Sheffield don't enter this this tournament. You know, apparently Aaron Fox said he doesn't want to play three and three. But we'll not argue with eight and fifteen, which yes you have gaps, but that was more you'd argue more con, you know congested because you have a gap after three and three. So the, to me don't treat the fans as fools. Be honest. And you know what the thing is now, so we look on it as from Sheffield oh, Cardiff have had a good weekend. And they may get a buzz about it. They may get a jump. And what Greg said, they may get to the playoff weekend. And it all stems from that jump on a weekend where it was in the Continental Cup final or a Continental Cup weekend. But that jump where they're all together and they go from then to the end of the season. You put Sheffield in that equation, given the season they've had, and without Nostradamus telling us that we're only having 18 players on the, the 13th of January, that jump that this team, which I generally think, would compete with Astana. Yes, they're a good side. I generally do think we'd compete with them. Not say we'd beat them, but compete with them. Telling me that would give that team a jump going forward. You know, they they go, they push them all the way and they lose in the last minute. Heartbreak, but they've had one hell of a jump. You tell me that, that Sheffield team would not push to go league, Challenge Cup, playoff. All from one weekend. I hate it's a missed opportunity. I hate Guildford missed it as a, as a, and they earned it. I hate it. And I, I, you know, I feel that teams shouldn't be able to go, oh, schedule, let's not do it. I hate it. You're not happy then? No. <laughs> no. Oh, oh, mate, all for the honesty. 
And you've made some great points there. So I, I can't disagree. It's um, if you want to say the biggest club in this league and act like the biggest club in this league, you need to uh, do it on all counts. 100%. And it's it's all well and good winning the Yorkshire Cup. Or it's all well and good winning a pre-season tournament. And it's all well and good being the league champions. But when you get the opportunity to test yourself and push yourself against some of the best teams in Europe, where, let's, you know, like as I mentioned, um, you know, Cardiff down the map. And there'll be players that go over to Europe next year. And they'll do the research and they'll look at European competition. And Cardiff's name will be there. And they may, we, without knowing, obviously, the contractual negotiations, but they may pick up a gem that may not have thought about Cardiff, but seeing them and going, they compete in these stuff. Do you know what? I'll take a cut, but I'll go there. A lot of stuff that you get and you benefit and you learn from. And it's, for both Sheffield and Guildford, it's a missed opportunity. But well done, Cardiff. I could carry on ranting about this, as you may have gathered. So we'll move on to another topic, which I may end up ranting, but I'll bring Scott into this. And for me, I'll set a tone, my own stance, it's the, the team's fan bases don't seem to think, you know, they're not winning anything, so everything's poor, everything's worse. Is the standard of the league really that bad? Or is it just that one team has got the jump and everyone's just not able to be with them? The standard of the league has dropped. Let's be honest. But I, I, I can't, I can't give you a reason why it hasn't improved. There's a lot of plays that are screen the goalie, try and do the cross ice pass. There's no tic tac toe, and you can tell because of how many games are going to overtime. How many? How close every team is. Um, you can. <laughs> there was a big, big, big hoo ha on Twitter saying, "Oh, it's not dropped," and that was mainly from Sheffield fans. How, are Sheffield very good? Yes, but the reality is, teams from the eighteen nineteen nineteen twenty season would do very well in this league, and I won't be told otherwise because some games I'm watching, I'm like, uh, for my for my money. I think the league as a whole is poorer than, than pre-COVID. That's not Sheffield's fault. Sheffield are doing things the right way. They're recruiting players that can win tournaments, win leagues, wherever. For me, I think there's a couple of things at play here. Now, the league obviously had to try and rebuild itself a little bit. They lost a bit of money, of course, during COVID. Um, okay, there's no money going out as well. So they're probably still poorer for the for, for COVID that obviously haven't happened, but they haven't equally spent during that period, apart from, you know, a few members of staff, whatever. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, costs have increased, of course. Travel is more expensive. We all know that. Accommodation is more expensive. So the spend for bringing players in now is obviously higher for clubs. We now have 15 imports rather than 14. Are clubs spending another £30,000, £40,000 on budgets to accommodate that? I don't think they are. I think the problem we have now with the standard dropping down is that some teams, if not the majority, are spending the same amount of money but with one more import being brought in. So the actual level of talent is a little bit less across the board. And if you bring in like lesser quality players, it's bound to reflect in the league. You look at what, like last year, Cardiff brought that guy in from the, I think it was NCAA, that Herman guy. If that was a sign-in by, say, Dundee, Fife, we'd be underwhelming. A sign-in by the Devils was like unbelievable. 
and even now you look at a few of the players we talked about, you know, Petronino and Brand already many times. There was players on Cardiff's fourth line were excellent shell players. They had two excellent shell players on the fourth line. And I think as a whole, the league is just basically sort of spending less per import to accommodate for the extra, for the extra import they've got. So they're bringing in 15 rather than 14 before and bringing spares in, which is good. They're bringing spares in, so they've got like a full roster most nights as well. But they've got to cut the cloth accordingly. Um, they, they can't bring in a load of ex AHLers or, you know, with good European sort of resumes. They've got to bring in what they can afford to bring in. And that's fine, and I appreciate that. But if you can be bringing in Paul, look, look at Nottingham. They brought this, this guy in now from the from the coast. His record like one goal in ten games or something. That's not going to change their season. If you got a guy with that kind of offense that's scoring one goal in ten games over a course of like two or three seasons, give the rice time to a British kid. Let's see a British kid get that you know extra ice time and and develop him. But the league now, unfortunately, has dropped off a little bit. By the same token, Sheffield have just got an incredible roster. And you can argue, okay, they're spending, spending, spending. There's no way Cardiff's team is cheap or Belfast's team is cheap. Who knows what not to spend. Um, but it's about good recruitment. And they've recruited better. And teams saying, oh, well, Sheffield win the league because, you know, we've shed the bed. It's bullshit. You had a ch- the same chance to sign the same players as Sheffield did. And okay, if they spend over the odds, don't pretend Belfast you don't spend over the odds. Or Cardiff, we all know that old ducks and dive in that they, they do behind the scenes to get players over and how they accommodate those spends. But the reality is, yeah, the league is not as good as we think it is in terms of overall standard. And we have to look at that. We have to look at, you know, is it worth bringing in 17, 18 imports? Where, where, when's it going to stop? Okay, you can play 15, but. You got three or four guys on the in the stands as well right now, and it just means that for me the, the the level of player drops a little bit when you've got like the numbers of imports and that reflects on the ice. Has the level of recruiting gone downhill? Yes, you can't say it hasn't. Lights of Belfast, they've had to bring in the old boys from last year. Has it with Cardiff? Yes. Has it with other teams? Yes. Apart from probably Sheffield, and maybe give or take Dundee. So the recruitment may have got worse, which obviously, of course, does lead in part to the play. But and again, speaking of Sheffield, it just there's a perception where it's well, we're not winning; it's like ASL shit. Now, yeah, there are elements of that may be correct, but I also think there's a bit of a culture of well, if we're not winning, it's all awful. It's like when you lose; it's always someone else's fault, and just saying it's you know the other ones are good enough. And I do think that certain of our um, Friends on, on Twitter who like to stir the pot, who like to do the trolling. Um, good to see the old old school trolls from Cardiff make an appearance this weekend. I've enjoyed their uh, um, utterances on, on Twitter. It's just like, well, yeah, it's not us, so let's just wind them up. I do buy the argument, what you said, John, in terms of, well, if, we, if the play's not going to be as good, let's look at the numbers. But I think you know and I know, sadly, that that's not going to be the case. You'll still have that argument of, well, we need to entertain, we need to entertain. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I was at the Sheffield Dundee game, and that last 20 minutes, they coasted. There was not much effort from Sheffield. There weren't much effort from Dundee. So there's an entertainment factor. No, it weren't there. Now, just to clarify, that's not saying Sheffield were entertaining, haven't been entertaining this season, but that game itself, but we've had a few of them, and that's been the same. That last 20 minutes, Sheffield have been able to coast it. Is that good 
from an entertainment perspective for the league at Mill. It's good for Sheffield because Sheffield have done the, done the job. They've got everything right and it's just clicking. So I think there's elements where the league probably do look at it next year and go, right, do we get the, the balance right? We have entertaining players from abroad, but we have to give teams three, four lines, or in some teams' case in Scotland, two, uh, you know, more Brits to play. It's a conversation probably should that will be had. But I think that the I, I know, Sheffield fans are getting excited. Let's let's not beat around the bush on that one. And I think some fans have uh, took advantage of their excitement. But I don't think it's all doom and gloom in terms of the standards. Is it as good as 18, 19 and before COVID shut down? No, it's not as good. But it's not as bad as the beginning of the Elite League, three, four and five, where it was poor. We've gone from high spending imports to who fancies coming on the cheap. And in fact, few people in clubs were saying it's hockey on the cheap. The game has got better. The, the league has got better. It's not at that peak pre-COVID. But I think, you know, I think a bit more fairness needs to be given by some. Not all, because there's a fair few people that are doing and, and giving, you know, kudos to what's happening. But I think it's a bit easy to go, well, we're not winning it, shit. And I do think that's, well, I'm seeing it anyway. I, maybe I'm reading it wrong, but I'll put my hands up if I am. But I'm seeing a lot more of that this time around. So as we mentioned about uh, teams with four, three lines, I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, it's a point I want to raise because I, I think it's poor. Fife, on their home game, um, struggled to have one uh, Brit player <laughs> get any ice time over the game. Now, we've discussed it many times about the, you know, the entertainment level, but when you have only just one just getting a bit of ice time and everyone's just sitting on the bench, how shit is that? For me, I'm calling it out as it's, it's shit. It's a joke. Uh, tonight, in Coventry, they had two, the backup goalie uh, and Phelan. Uh, he didn't see any ice time. So you go free, free and up, great job done, blah, blah, blah. You're thinking, ah, we're doing well. Goes back to free or they get into penalty trouble and then they don't use use the brick guy. It's pathetic. It's it's not good enough. Stu Coles messaged me when um, they were down in Guildford for the Challenge Cup and they didn't take any Brits at all. And why would they not just get someone in? Tom can moan about travel. He can say what he wants, but Fife got one of the best setups in the league. They've got that rink that they own. They've got juniors playing there. But no Brit will ever sign for them in this current circumstance. And we thought it might change when they changed the coach. But it's the same attitude and it's not good enough. You're not going to do anything. There's a reason where why you are where you are in the league. And you've just gave up another free goal lead. It's not good enough, Fife. Sort it out. Absolutely. It's a fucking disgrace. I'm not going to beat around the bush. We've talked about it before. Um, five trying to run with 14, 15 imports, and then that's going to be enough. It's not. This is a four-line league now. And okay, it's not to say players will 
get as much ice time on the fourth line as the first line, but they're there for a reason. They're there to rest your first three lines. If you're going to go with like barely any British players, you're going to end up having three lines again burnt out and you're going to get injuries. And then you're limping through the season on two, two and a half, barely three lines. It's bizarre because Fife, when I was a kid, was a hockey hotbed for one of a sort of cheesy kind of phrase. A lot of British players came through the Kokodi system and even went to play for other teams. It's, it's, it's a hockey town, probably the most hockey town in the league. It really is. You know, there's not a lot going on in Kokodi and the hockey team is the big ticket or was the big ticket in the past. Under a new sort of regime or new coaching regime, I thought they may change. The one that surprised me the most, um, now we know Fife don't typically go out and sign British players. Okay, there's Sam Jones there for a little bit of a period a couple of years back and uh, he did well there. Like Michael Carroll, the guy we had on, on the pod a few weeks back, born in Fife, learned to skate in Fife. His old man was the rink manager and as a former player there. When we spoke to him, he sort of said he wanted to come to play in this country. His mum is from, from Fife. His family... His mum's side is there. There seemed to be no interest in, in signing him. A guy straight from North American college system as a Brit. You know, he could have come in and played as a Brit and he'd gone to Manchester. They're so naive and I don't think they really appreciate what they, they could have. You had a guy like Craig Moore, a Fife guy. He's played most of his career outside of Kakadi, you know. There's this guys that play for the cash rules and stuff, which we hear are good players. And they leave the game. They actually leave the game completely. And it's sad. And, and until they get their shit together, they spend a bit of money, they invest in bringing players in. And it might take five or six years to get their own players coming to the ranks again because it doesn't happen overnight. Bring a few players in, not just your token Brit. Bring four or five in, get a fourth line, and then you're going to be competing. Until you do, you're going to be a, a perennial ninth, tenth place team. Barely scraping playoffs. And... <laughs> Where's the ambition in that? It must be crap to be a Fife fan. Crap. I'm not going to totally blame Tom on this one. Because he's obviously come in and he's learning about the whole setup and everything. So who in Fife in the team do they have that can go, right, keep an eye on these players? Like you say, they have quite a good junior setup. I was talking to um, a listener to a podcast whose son plays for for the Belfast Junior team and they play against Fife and they say they're always very good. They're always, they always beat Belfast Juniors. They are very good. They are of a different level. So they have that setup already. So who is the, who's the bridge between the juniors to advise the senior? These are the players worth looking at, giving them the time. And it's, it goes back to being just done on the cheap. But it feels like it's done on the cheap. And that's a team that you were telling me that fan base won't go crazy if that, that fourth line gets a goal. That's all through the Kikori junior system. You were telling me that roof don't get lifted. That they would. Because they'd get be- and they would get behind. And I think that's a team that would get behind their local lads more than any team in the league. They would really love it. So they've got to sort something out because from a league perspective, it's poor. Forgetting the GB cap of where's the development, from a league perspective, that's poor. They have to start having someone there that can go, right, you're a new coach, you're, you're new to the area, you're getting your bearings right, these are the players. Come down to these sessions, have a look, and get them training with the senior team. has to happen. And if that happens, and they start becoming regulars, 
like Scott said, and, and, and you as well, John, they don't become the 10th dwellers. They start progressing. They start going 8th, 7th, 6th, 5th and 4th. They start moving up the ladder. But they have to start having their Brit players. And, they, you know, they're not going to bring people in because they don't want to spend it. Clear. You know, are you telling me Lakovic has gone up to Scotland and if, if he was available for Glasgow, he's only five wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to get him. And just on his social media, he likes his golf. Tommy Fife wouldn't be able to provide him with all the golf he wants. They need to start thinking way more than just very insular. Get the juniors coming in. If someone's interested in coming to Scotland, be that team that brings the top-end Brits over. When they start doing that, things will change. And until then, like you both said, temp's their spot. And that's sad, because that's a team that, with the history, you don't want to see them just... You can post them in temp spot straight away. You don't want to. You don't really want to do that. Um, but time will tell if that ever changes. Last point that I have, and this is from a listener, Adrian Smith. Thank you very much for getting in touch with us. Uh, and basically asking about the elite league games going on at the same time as the Olympic qualifiers. So the weekend, uh, second weekend of February, GB play China, Serbia, and Romania but there's a full Elite League um, schedule taking place. Now, I was under the belief, again, international break. So I'll, I'll, I'll round table this one. What's that all about? Hmm. It's going to be quiet on that front, isn't it? We don't seem to know what is happening. Uh, we've talked about rescheduling games. Um, it seems to be there's those games are to go ahead. A couple of things that concern me a little bit were there. Um, now, in terms of integrity of the league and, and in terms of competition, if you're a team that's maybe fighting for that top eight spot, say you're a Manchester or a Fife Dundee, I didn't say Dundee if I offend people from Dundee again, Nottingham, whoever, yeah? So you're playing a team that's got three or four British players not playing that weekend, whether the British or dual national or whatever. That surely gives you a bit of an advantage over a team that played that same team maybe a week or two before with a full roster. So you're playing Cardiff and you're going to have at least four players not playing for them that weekend. Possibly as much as six or seven. So clearly the team with all those players missing is at a disadvantage. And again, same point with, with Cardiff. Now, you've got four definites. You've got Bound, Richardson, Mosey, Waller. Davis, probably. Duggan, possibly possibly batch. Now, if you're Peter Russell, you've obviously taken your four certain players to, to play for GB. He then tended to think, well, okay, we're still playing. I can't risk taking Duggan, Davis and batch because I'm going to decimate my domestic team. So does that limit then the chance of certain British players even getting to play for the national team? Almost a victim of a circumstance. It doesn't make any sense. And again, it's where the league, it, it doesn't do itself any favours. We, we've known for like months this was happening. And as opposed to, you know, moving games to a different days to come to the weekend, we've got games still in place and we don't actually know for sure what's going to happen. And it doesn't make any sense because some teams will be like decimated, like kind of lose a lot of players. Belfast will lose a few. Sheffield may get a little bit lucky. You know, you have Dowd obviously will be going. Shooter deserves a crack. Whistle, maybe borderline, not ready to go back for GB just yet. And Jones, possibly a little bit too soon. So they maybe lose two players rather than four. It doesn't make any sense. How can you possibly run a competition where some teams are being uh, aligned down 
because they're supporting the national team. They got to work with each other. I, Scott, just try and make, make it make sense to me. Well, I can try and make it make sense, but the Sheffield Steelers will not give up a weekend. If we give it up for GB, they should have given it up for the Conti Cup. That's that is the harsh reality. Look, lads, I feel like it should be a weekend off. It was, a, it has been. When we sign imports, we say to them, "We will have a February break." And I've had players say to me in the past, "I got promised a, a break and I didn't get it." It is a it is a signing point, you know, when they can go back home for. A, a week or so, and we don't always deliver it. So if you can't give it up for a European campaign, you can't then do it for the, the, the Olympics. A hundred percent should be given up and we should be qualifying for the Olympics because if you want eyes on this sport, ice hockey will be on BBC iPlayer for free. It'll be on BBC one. It will be, it will be eyes on this sport. So what are we a month out? Four weeks out from it, I can't mm-hmm. see. I, we're we clearly just playing games, which is a joke. Uh, for the not the first time, elite league. This is a joke. Yeah, a thousand percent, and you, you nailed it. Like we mentioned before, this could literally be a massive shot on the arm for elite league teams. If GB does qualify, I know they don't work together. Most elite league coaches, management, wherever. I can't speak for everybody else, but I know the ones in Cardiff prior to Russell being there couldn't give two shits about the national team. They couldn't give two shits um, because they didn't make them any money. But if the national team qualifies the Olympics and the sport is on BBC, national recognition, prime time slots, and everyone knows what you do into Olympics, how many fans are going to look for that sport? They're going to new fans. They're going to come to watch that team. Where's my nearest team? Oh, I live in Hereford. Oh, I was in Cardiff. It's an hour away. Oh, I live in Lincolnshire. Nottingham is 45 minutes away. That's the reality. When Wimbledon's on in, in the summer, how many kids do you see in the street playing tennis or going to watch, or going to play tennis in a, in a tennis club? They do it because they see it on TV. And when the Ashes are on, cricket, you see kids playing cricket because they've seen it on TV. They've had exposure. They've seen, and it's exciting to them. It engages with them. If this national team can make the Olympics, it'd be the biggest thing to happen to our sports in this country for years. And if we can for one weekend, do everything we can to allow that to happen and make it a reality and look at the bigger picture long term, then I'm just stunned because every team will benefit 100% if we can get the national team on BBC TV. Simple. Now, 100%, and it just it baffles me. Uh, we had a international break for when we hosted it in Nottingham. So I just don't understand why we're not having one this time around. Uh, but I have to say, the, the argument Scott said, if you can't do it for a country cup weekend, why do it for the Olympics? It's, it's a valid argument. Um, but we'll see. Um, you know, thankfully, the group shouldn't, in theory, test GB too much. Um and maybe a chance to give some of the others, maybe like some of Brown, the shot. Who knows? Um, we'll, we'll wait to see when that squad's announced, which won't be that far off, I don't think. So, but uh, we'll, we'll, when that squad is announced, I'm sure we'll discuss it uh, on the uh, whichever episode we get to when that happens. I have nothing else. I'm seeing shaking heads from John and Scott. It's been a bumper episode. We apologize 
for the additional length of time. Uh, but we hope you enjoy what you've heard tonight. So very quickly, socials, Twitter, Instagram, Free and Free Podcast UK, Facebook, Free and Free Podcast UK. Do search it. Same for Spotify and Deezer. We're on Deezer now, so give us a search. You can find episodes on all platforms. What the fuck it's, is it's Deezer? Like a, it's like a Spotify, just a different version of it. Oh, okay. Uh, we got a recommendation, and uh, we looked into it. Very quick, simple, and we're on there. So all's well with the world. Well, I'm quite glad you clarified. Things are on Diva. I was like, "Who's on me?" I'm not sure what you're talking about. There was a big sort of, uh, you know, get the wrong impression for a couple of seconds. What you meant? That's for a different type of podcast. But we'll move on very quickly. <laughs> Scott, John, thank you very much for your time. It's been a lengthy one, but uh, always a pleasure, guys. Absolutely, boys. Good to see you all. I'm sure the fans of the pod will be loving the fact we're going to give them about two hours worth of talking. Or they're going to hate it, I don't know, but I get moaned at that sometimes the pods are not long enough, so maybe this will be good after all. Thank you very much. Great from the boys, Connor, Brett and Greg. Loved it, uh, but I am really looking forward to in a couple of weeks' time when we get back to our normal times, because I'm tired, boys. So (laughs) thanks for everyone listening. Let's close the gate. Gate close on this episode of the 3 and 3 podcast.